Hey everyone, welcome to the Higher Points Podcast. I'm Nick Sowers here in the studio without Nate. Um, he decided he wanted, didn't want to grace us with our pres, his, his presence. <laughs> he decided to go to Colorado and go to the, uh, Shaw Classic, I think is what they call it, with Brian Shaw, the strongman. He has a, a thing up in Colorado that he's been doing for two or maybe three years now. Um, so he's there and I think Seth is there. Lucas is there. Um, can you think of anybody else that's there that you know? No, I just knew Seth. Okay. And so, uh, in the studio today, I'm here with, uh, my wife, Andrea, and my mother-in-law, Cindy. Hi. And Hello. they, uh, they came on and they've got a pretty interesting story. I know that there's, uh, I've heard probably more of my wife's story than I think I've heard of Cindy's story when it comes to the things that they've been through that we'll basically get into here in just a little bit. I know my wife is pretty open with that kind of thing when it comes to like the women's conference and stuff like that. So I guess, uh, we just do age before beauty. Let your mom start, go from there. <laughs> so you tell us a little bit about you, like where you grew up, you know, your siblings and just kind of a little bit of your upbringing, where you went to school, et cetera. I grew up in Lyons, Kansas. Um, I have, Six brothers and sisters. They're all older than I am. I'm the baby. I'm a lot younger than they are. Um, by the time I was school age, I think I am, a couple of them were already gone from home. So I only, I was mainly, in my opinion, I was, and grew up practically an only child by the time I was 10. Most of my brothers and sisters were gone. You know, that's how, that's how much young, that's how much younger I was than they were, um, spoiled, but not rowdy spoiled. Um, I grew up in a, in a normal home, you know, both parents, loving family, you know, Christian home, no ish, you know, I mean, disciplined, you know, like everybody else in the sixties and seventies, you know, and go to church, all that kind of stuff. Or um, as your grandson would say back in the 1900s. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, even, he yeah. Says even that maybe Andrew. beyond that, yeah. He says that to Andrea and I as well. <laughs> yeah. Back back in the 1900s. Yeah, back in the 1900s, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ancient. <laughs> Did they have cars then? <laughs> yeah. We just, everybody uh, sure. was in uh, horses and yeah, car- carriages yeah. back then. Exactly, yeah. Actually, yeah. that was like... So that was the mainstay of like muscle cars back in that day. I mean, they were, they were coming out with like the Camaros and the Mustangs mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff then. So back oh, yeah. in the 1900s was actually a pretty cool place <laughs> yeah, to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just went straight to those. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so From I guess, buggy. <laughs> so I mean, what was that like? So you, I guess you, you didn't really have to like share much of anything then, right? I mean, I, know. You, I mean, you were basically, no. you, you kind of had an, do you, so do you feel in any way that there's like, a difference or maybe even I, I, I shouldn't say divide just knowing our family. There's no divide like with you guys are one hell of a close family. And that's oh, one yeah. thing I've always respected about you. But, yeah. you know, I mean, did you, did you feel like it was maybe different than other sibling relationships or do you feel like maybe your siblings have a little bit closer relationship as a result or I mean, no, well, how do have, you feel? No, I mean, I'm, I don't feel any different of, you know, that they have more memories together than what I do with them naturally because they're all a year, year and a half apart in age with, with them within themselves than what I do. Because like I said, there's seven of us and I was six and a half years younger than, than the sixth one, you know, you know, so there was, they all have more memories together than I do with them, you know, okay, growing up. Um, 
so the so naturally you know their memories within each other you know as youngsters is different than what i have you know so how much of a gap was there bet- from your next sibling in line um with with my brother michael okay. um he was six and a half when i was born okay so and naturally with me being the youngest of course i was spoiled by them too you know so and then the oldest one she i was born and then a month later she turned 14 Oh, okay. So, you know, and then, um, and then by the time I was four, she got married, you know, and was gone, you know, so I didn't, I don't have any memories of, of her in the household, you know, um, I only have memories in the household really of it is, is, is with Michael, Gary and, and Pat for the most part. Daniel, David, and Pat and Mary, you know, they were so much older that they left by the time I was, I was still in grade school when they were all, when they were all gone, except for Mary, you know, but I didn't, I, mean, I hadn't even started school yet when she, she was gone, you know, but, um, I mean, that's I was, I was an aunt by the time I was five, you know, because that's how much older she was than me. Yeah. It's similar to my mom's upbringing. I mean, just, I think, I think my uncles are like at least 10, if not 15 yeah. years older. And so she was. Yeah. You know, they were, she was growing up and going through like grade school in the mm-hmm. time they were fighting in Vietnam. Yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of give an idea of, yeah. you know, that age gap there. Yeah. Where, you know, you, you think that most households, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not today's society, especially yeah. like families like Cameron's where he's having kids when he's 40 and he's got kids that are 23. But, mm. uh, you know, that, that there's, there's most families, you know, you're going to have your kids within a couple of years of each other mm-hmm. or so. And so it's, it's interesting to think of that age yeah. gap. Yeah. But, but, I, but I'm very close to all my brothers and right. sisters. You yeah. know, we have a very close relationship, you know, to this day, you know, except for Michael. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, that's another story. You know, that's, that's, that's his, that's his issue. You yeah. know, that, that was, that's, that's his issue that he had with my parents for some odd reason. I don't know. I can't tell you. And, you know, he had, and, and my parents never did anything to him. He just, he always considered himself the black sheep of the family. Couldn't tell you why. That was just, that was always, that was always him. You know, I, I don't know why. My mom and dad never, ever, I mean, never, ever did anything to him. Any different than, than any of the rest of us. You know what I mean? We were all raised the same way. But he always just, he, he was always a different sort, you know. And he never, um... He never made amends before my parents died, you know, and that's that's something he has to live with. Yeah, I've so. I've I've seen several people that are that way. That mm-hmm. when there's you know at least when they're alive, there's still kind of that chance that mm-hmm. you could maybe mend that fence, mend that bridge. But once they're dead, like there's that finality. Sometimes really that's right. does more damage than that's right. that animosity ever did. That's right. Um. So so I mean, I'll I'll fill in the gaps for people that are listening. This is obviously something that I know, but um, I mean, so you you grew up in a, a two parent household, exactly. you know, just yep. I mean, basically, what you would categorize as American society, quote unquote, normal, normal family, yeah, yeah. loving parents, you know, the same, you know, the same, you know, my birth parents, you know, mm-hmm. throughout all of our lives, you know, and all my parents had issues, just like any other, just just like any oh, other, yeah. just like yeah. any other couple, you right. know. But I mean, so there was no like substance abuse or family no, violence or anything. Never, like that. never, 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 never. Nope, yeah. never. Okay. And and I'm asking that because I'm setting the stage for yeah, for, you know, for later. later. Yeah, exactly. But, nope. Um, no. But yeah, so so did you graduate from Lions as well, or no? No, I <laughs> no, I was a dummy. You know, and I let I let the teenage thing get a hold of me. You know, stupid. I had my goals like every other. 
like like every other normal teenager, I had my goals, go to college, you know. I wanted to be an archaeologist, you know. And I let stupidity take over like a lot of teenagers, you know. <laughs> got, I'm raising one, I know. Yeah. Or two now. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Two. Yeah, two. Yeah. yeah. He's 13 now. Yeah. And, you know, and I got pregnant, but my ex-in-laws, you know, thought that they thought at that time you get pregnant you get married yeah you know um you know my ex-mother-in-law she regrets that to the you know now you know she realized that's you know hindsight's always 2020 exactly you know my mom my mom told me until the until the moment i was walking out the door to you know in my wedding dress to, to get married she goes you can you know you don't have to you don't have to you know my mom just knew it wasn't right the right thing to do you know but she my mom and my my parents never made me get married ever. That was not, that was, that just wasn't my, that just wasn't my parents, you know. And, but of course, you know, when you're 16, it's like, hey, you know, I can yeah, play, you know, I, I can play the grown up thing, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, and I was pregnant. And, and you could have your quote unquote freedom, freedom and everything yeah. would be fine. Uh. <laughs> so, so, so. It's not the way it works. <laughs> you're, tell, you're telling me that's exactly how it panned out. Right. Oh yes. Exactly. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so did you did you end up getting like GED or yes. anything like? Okay, yeah, I did that. Good. I did that several years later. Actually, after all my kids were born, yeah, I got my GED later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I even went to college for like half a semester, <laughs> but there was a reason as to why I didn't finish that, you know. But um, you do not have to have college and society to no. be successful. No, that's for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I went and hit, I got my GED later on. Yeah. And and so uh so you're married at this point and you're pregnant with Josh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um and then did you when you got married, did you stay around the area yep. or yep. did you stay in Lyons? A block away. <laughs> from oh, really? my parents. Act- no, actually. His parents or your no, parents? Actually, I take that back. We li- we lived right across the street from my parents. Yeah, there was there was an apartment. There was a house that lived that was right across the street from my mom and dad. And there was an apartment upstairs, so we lived in that apartment while I was pregnant. And then when Josh was born, we lived there for just a little bit. It just just wasn't feasible to live there, you know. And then there was a house for sale a block away, and we moved into that one for a little while. And then, you know, you move here, you move there. and So, so during this time, and that was Gary, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did Gary have like a job and yeah, stuff like that? He, yeah, or? he worked at the salt plant. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so how much How much longer than there was Andrea, right? Andrea came to a little over two years later. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then and then you have Justin. Scott. Oh, Scott. Mm-hmm. Scott. And then Justin. That explains yeah. a lot, Justin. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope, hopefully he's listening to this laughing right now. Um, so you had Scott and then Justin. Yep. And so out of all of that, I mean, were those... Was that something that you'd always wanted? Did you want like a big family just like, um, no? I just wanted a boy and a girl. And actually I had a miscarriage between Josh and Andrea. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like I, and a lot of people struggle with that too. I mean, that's one thing that at least to my knowledge, like you, you never had a miscarriage or anything, did you? Right. That no. I know. No, not that I know of. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, that was one thing that like, in, at least in ours, you know, we just, she would sit down a pregnancy test and say I'm pregnant. And then we just went through the process, you know, we never really worried about that, but mm-hmm. Um, like how did, how did that affect you? Did them, was that, I mean, what was that like? The miscarriage? Yeah. I don't, 
Actually, at that time, because we were me and Gary were split up. Okay. So it actually, at that time, it affects you. I mean, it, every miscarriage will affect you, you know. And it, it's, I mean, it was sad, but at the same time, it was a little bit of a relief too because we were we were going through. Oh, okay. Because we were separated, we weren't we weren't together. Okay. So in some way, it was a relief also because it's like a, a, another baby at this point wasn't good you know because we weren't together at that at at that time i was living with my parents at that point and um and i remembered that day i remember that day because that's when the shuttle blew up which one <laughs> in the sky in Jan- <laughs> was it the challenger uh-huh, uh-huh, challenger uh-huh. yeah that would have been the first one uh-huh okay yeah so the first one yeah yep that's when i was living with my parents and, and this that- is still in lions right uh-huh. where were they living at in lions at that time oh that way down there by augman park that's the house that my uh, parents own. That's the house I actually grew up in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Yep. And then, so, then obviously you and Gary get back together. Uh, <laughs> um, every time we split up and got back together, I got pregnant. <laughs> A decision that you're very happy with. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and then it seems like every time we got pregnant, we split up. <laughs> thanks. Oh, it was funny. It was, it, was, it was funny. Well, you know. So, so I guess so. If we fast forward, you know, you're and at this I never point. had an. And with Gary, I, I will, I will say, with Gary, he was never. Gary was never abusive. He was never mentally or physically. No, not mentally, physically. He just didn't care. Okay. He and Gary never called me a bad name. Never laid a hand on me. Yeah. Never, ever, ever. He just didn't care about us. Okay. He just never cared about us. As, it was just like mean as far family. As like, oh my god! He, you know, and then he just took off. Like providing financially or yep. anything like that, nope. didn't really care to do it. Nope. So I mean, nope. like, so I mean, what you're saying is like what people. This is my words, not yours, but what people would consider like deadbeat dad today, kind there of you that, go. that kind of thing. Yep, okay. that's what he was. Yep. And so. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so hey, we're already working into the trauma. All right, here we go. We got this. <laughs> yeah. We got this. Um. So uh, So if we kind of fast forward just a little bit, so you have four kids at this time, and what? What made you kind of make that decision of you like you're finally done and like I'm gonna get a divorce? Like what was the final straw? That was actually Gary's idea. Okay. I was um we lived in Hutch, here in Hutchinson. Um we were constantly being kicked out of houses because he wouldn't pay the bills. Gary wouldn't pay the bills. You know, we were just constantly and back then it was easy to get into one house or another. There's not there's yeah, not, they're not the background checks. Yeah, it's not the background checks like there are now. Letters Very, of reference. Exactly. And unless it's your a... Your utilities in good standing. And, yeah, I mean, utilities, yeah. Oh, I okay. mean, you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, you have to pay, you have to pay the Well, utilities. I guess there is only one place to go sure. for utilities, sure. so that makes sense. Um, but unless you're going to an actual company that owns homes, you know, which they had back then, it just wasn't as hard to get into a house back then as there is, as it is now. Um as long back then, landlords just give me my money and you can move in, you know. But um, I was at, and the bad thing with Gary is he he cheated on me right and left. I mean, he was just a womanizer. But um, I was actually pregnant with Justin when we when um we split up for good, and he divorced and he divorced me. Um, he moved me. How nice of him! He moved me into a house. You know, because we got kicked out of the last one. He moved me into a house. He moved in with me. He was there two weeks, and then he took off with his girlfriend, moved out, of t- moved out into the country. We got divorced, and they got married. 
um, about a week before I had Justin. And then she come by and she and she and she didn't know, in all honesty, she didn't know I was pregnant, um, until my ex in laws went to their wedding, and they told her, <laughs> they told her I was that I was getting ready to get give birth to Gary's fourth child, you know, and then she and she didn't know she had two kids at room, and she didn't know, and she was in shock, and then she came over to my house and told me I never would have um, married him. Well, she probably would have, but she wouldn't have married him at that point, she tells me. If she knowed I was getting ready to, you know, to have a baby, you know, and she talked to me and it's like, you know, it is what it is, you know, whatever, you know. But I mean she seemed nice about it, but and they were married for about oh, about a year and a half. They stayed married for about a year and a half. Of course they cheated on each other, both of them. Um, then they divorced. They divorced and then they stayed together for several months afterwards. I think it was just they stayed together for financial reasons. And then and then um, she took off somewhere. I don't know where. And then I think that's when Gary took off to Manhattan mm, and yep. had another kid with some other lady, which is their half-sister. Yeah, that you, that you learned about. How long ago was that? It's been like five years now, maybe? Four mm, or five years? It might have been a little bit longer than that. Yeah. But yeah, we were adults. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were married to me when you found yeah. out about her. I think that was right before Gary came back here for a little while because Gary met her. Well, she reached out Mm -hmm. to my grandma, Mm -hmm. Gary's mom, through Facebook. And she was trying to figure out Facebook and having me help her. And I'm like, I think you should check this message. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then you, how long were you single before you met your next husband? A couple of years. And so what did you do in that me- in the meantime, as far as making ends meet, you're taking care of a family, single mom in it by yourself. And welfare was, I would say, was that nearly as prevalent as it is today? I mean, as far as oh, like, yeah. was it as easy to get on? Yeah. Did you, but um, it was did, actually did they easier. Give- That's how I actually helped get my GED because back then they helped you get your GED and they actually helped you go to college and actually, no, I actually got my GED later, but I, at that point I was, I, at that time, you could get um, food and and cash assistance, and so could you get like the child care assistance and all that stuff too. That wasn't quite as easy to get at that time. But the, back then, they were still literal. learning. They were still doing a lot of that kind of th- that stuff. Um, so I was getting um cash and food stamps of course food stamps was paper come in the mail yes yeah, i like, remember it like actual money. stamps like yeah and basically. it, come, mm-hmm, it yeah. was it was money you know the paper money come in the mail sometimes you get it on the second sometimes you might get it on the fourth <laughs> it was it, yeah it was uh were you were you working a job at the same time uh-uh. too or okay no i had no car okay no no means to get around so it would have been hard for me to get a job because i had no you know no no way to get to a job you know and when you have four little ones, who's going to wash your kids? Yeah, you for know. Sure. That's why I was asking about the yeah. child care system. Yeah, and that's that was something that welfare was still, you know, not completely set up with that that they would pay, you know, totally for. Because at this time, you know, your parents are still working as well. I would assume. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember Grandpa Brown. I mean, I was married they, to Andrea, and he they, was still working. They didn't live here anymore at that time. They lived in Louisiana. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes it even worse. All yeah. Right. 
So basically, you had mm-hmm. essentially no support structure. No. Fam- family support structure I had, anywhere. I had my sister, my oldest sister that lived here in Hutch at the time. But she was older, you know, and she was not going to babysit. Because Pat was, was she still in the, with, they lived with in Louis- Mike in the military? They and- lived in Louisiana too. That's why my parents moved there. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, at least we know who the favorite is now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, um, maybe, maybe they liked, maybe they liked Mike and not Pat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so it was just easier for me to stay home with four little ones. Yeah. You know? And of course, back then I got the cash. So the cash paid for my rent and my utilities, you know? So but it's not like you were out partying. I mean, you didn't no, have the money to do that for sure. Uh, uh, no. And who's going to watch four little, four little kids, you know? You know, oh, don't worry. We're going to get into the stories and the <laughs> things that they did while you were gone at work oh. when they were older. Oh, I know. I know. Don't we didn't, worry. We didn't do anything. No, of course not. <laughs> uh, boo shit. It's like that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that meme that you see on Instagram with that little kid. Uh, boo shit. Yeah. Uh, boo shit. Yeah. I wasn't why, why you turn it. Why are you turning red like your shirt right now? <laughs> it's a reflection on my shirt. Uh. So, you know, that was – so back then it was just easier to get on welfare, you know. And then the, I think that's why they changed the welfare system a lot is because a lot of people were starting to take advantage of yeah. that. But I mean, but in your case, you really didn't have a choice. I didn't have I a mean, choice. I mean, I'm assuming your older sister was also working, so she had her own she job, her old family. She, no, she didn't work, but but it, that would have been a huge burden on her yeah. to try and take care well, of my kids. And, you know? and to be fair. And, and she had, had her own family. Yeah, so. to be fair. And I've had mm-hmm. the same conversation with my mm-hmm. kids is I'm not raising your children. Like that's just all there is to it. Like, exactly. If you want to go on I a date night, ones. you know, you want to go on a date night or something from mm-hmm. time to time. Fine. Yeah. You know, have your kids over. I want to have them over on the weekends. But as yeah. far as like, unless unless you're incapable because like you got yeah. in a car accident or yeah. you know, something. Yeah. Like no. No. Like, you had them. You raise them. Exactly. That's that was my mom too. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And so, so I mean, Mm-mm. it's it's not. It wouldn't have been fair to your sister to be like, hey, no. here's my kids. Bye. You know. Yeah, and I never went out. I never Plus went out and partied. Here or them, her getting there. Nope. Or, I never went out and partied, and I never had parties at my house. That, so, that just wasn't me. And I mean, those were my kids. It was my job to take care of them, you know. So I, I guess let's let's really set the stage here because these are even things that I'm con- or not concerned. I'm I'm uh, I'm not concerned anymore. I didn't even know at the time, and I was at your house when you were married to this guy uh, when you guys lived in Lyons. When I, I didn't was in, know it, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was I was Josh and I were in third yeah, grade. She was around. in second grade. Yeah, and, but um. So before we get into that, because the stories will kind of merge here. Mm-hmm. So how about mm-hmm. you? I know, but why don't you tell people here about your story where you grew up and things like that? And if you go to get into things with Martine, then we can kind of start discussing from there. Um. Well, I was born in Hutch, obviously. She mm-hmm. lived there. Mm-hmm. And don't give your full date of birth or anything. Just give like uh, okay, good. Well, my grandpa was on here and was like, my social, <laughs> my grandpa's like, my date of birth, my address, my social security number. Here's my phone number. Also, my mother's maiden name is no, <laughs> or well, felt like that. <laughs> yeah, unless somebody wants to pay my bills with that information, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and here's my bank account too. <laughs> yeah. No, I um, I'm one of four, and okay, through my mother and my biological father. Yeah. We do have half siblings out there too that I know of. Who knows how many more are out there? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say at least um, two that we know of right now. Yeah, well, Excuse one me. she's an adult. She is only a couple years younger than, than Justin. Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, but my other half brother, he's actually the same age as our middle child, Alexander. So he's thirteen. So, so Alex is a thirteen-year-old uncle to his thirteen-year-old nephew. Well, that's the same as saying Brooklyn is, and she's 
Aladdin. Yeah. So it yeah. it trips him up. But so um, growing up, I remember bits and pieces of some of it growing up because we moved around a lot. Um, she ended up marrying a guy named Martine, which she'll have to probably set the stage for that. Gary, I don't call him dad. He was never a dad to us. It's, it's Gary. Um, I to- don't have any memories of him when I was younger. The only memory mm-hmm. I have is when I was a teenager, he was married to a wonderful woman named Amy. Um, she pushed him to try to see his kids. So we went to, I flew to Nevada and stayed with him for a summer. And um, she was amazing. Took me to work, put me to work, let me earn money. Um, he was taking my money, borrowing it. It was just an experience. Um, I think I was what, 12 or 13 when I went, maybe you were four, you were 15. Yeah. And I know when I was there, I was so miserable. I came back. I probably gained 15, 20 pounds when I was there that summer. It was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I was left home alone a lot. I do. I do remember. And if Amy ever listens to this, sorry, Amy, it was me. Um, they had this beautiful white carpet. They had no kids. Beautiful white carpet. <laughs> I don't know why, but I remember eating a bowl of refried beans. I don't know. And I remember... The whole bowl? Yes. Wow. It was a rough summer, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you went there kind of kind of skinny and come back a little kind of fat. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and I um, thought, what? I you did. <laughs> um, and I remember dropping the bowl on the white carpet, and I took one of the throw carpets trying to clean it and just put it over it. I don't know if they ever found it while I was there, but yeah, it was, yeah, my experiences with him are not the greatest. Hopefully and then, she blamed it on Gary. <laughs> she could have, I'm sure. I don't so, know. So if we back up, you're one of four. Where did you go to school? So um, I bounced around a lot. So going back to childhood, um, I would go, we would, the easiest way to explain it is I had been to seven schools in one year before. Mm-hmm. Um, she was married to a man at that time who was my step stepdad. They did get married. Um, he was on the run from the cops quite a bit. So we were always going from one place to another. So I never really had an opportunity to make friends very well. Um, I'm pretty much a social butterfly. And I think that's part of the reason is because I had no choice. I had to push myself and get outside of the box. Um, you know, we went from Russell to Wilson, Salina, McPherson. I mean, those are just them. I mean, liberal Topeka. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Dodge city. City. That was an interesting one. Lions. Um, lions. Yeah. And Salina, we even hopped to Louisiana at one point. I don't know if that was just visiting. No, no, no. We, when we lived in Louisiana, you weren't in school yet. You were, no, I, but I remember being there and I remember that was probably my youngest memory. Yeah. Um, you weren't in school yet when we lived in Louisiana. I remember jumping off of a shed with all the other kids, but yeah, it's definitely memories. And then, um, you were, when we lived in Louisiana, you were only, um, two. Yeah. So, so for me, um, we ended up finally becoming kind of stable when we moved to McPherson. And at this point, Martine was kind of out of our lives. And but you graduated from? I graduated from Hutch. And then you went to? What, college friends? Yeah, I went to Friends University. But so backtracking to McPherson, I went, McPherson, I went from middle school to Maybe even elementary. I don't. I don't think we're there. Elementary, but I don't think you went elementary there. Mm-hmm. Middle school mm-hmm. and my freshman sophomore year in high school there, mm-hmm. and I ended up staying with a 
gentleman and his wife who are like godparents to me. You know, they were a complete blessing and let me stay with them. And then went to Hutch and I graduated from Hutch. And then went to, from there, I went to Friends University because <coughs> this gentleman, his name is Lowell, he, um, his daughter and all of them went to Friends. So they had talked it up and the fact that it was a Christian university. And I know with me, with my background and all the trauma that I had experienced, mm-hmm. it just sounded like a change, something that I needed to do and go. And so I went there and um, as much debt as I have from school, it was an amazing <laughs> experience. Yeah, that we're getting ready to pay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dang it. They but, expect me to pay my debt when I get them. <laughs> right. Damn it. Mm-hmm. When they start doing that. Yeah. No, but Friends was an amazing, um, amazing place. I made some friends that I, you know, I have to this day. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm not sure where you want us to. Well, so I, to, I have but... a follow up question there. So let's. So uh, so Lowell and Sue are Nelson, correct? Yes. Are mm-hmm. were pretty pivotal for you when it comes to your, you know, later teenage life. So yeah. I guess explain like how you met him, and then one question I have is that you can just naturally flow in here is like, how did the conversation start of like. I'm going to go stay with you. Were things like bad at home to where you're like, can I come stay with like, how did, how did that whole thing work to where you actually, what was the conversation actually stay with him? So I guess start with kind of how you met him and then go from there. Well, the staying with him is probably cause I'm just stubborn and I didn't want to leave. But, um, so in middle school, McPherson had a thing called a teen center mm-hmm. and the kids can go there and they had games, they had hangouts, they had different things. And it was an amazing thing because I was able to find a bunch of friends Granted, there was some crazy things that happened there, too, with different kids. But <laughs> Lowell volunteered his time, um, him with uh, Speedy. Speedy was the other one. And his wife, Barb, if I remember right. The Millers um, one day. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful people. And they ran it and had the adult supervision. And as kids, you know, just having that positive male role model in your life. When at that time I had a stepdad who was in and out of prison and just the same one. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. abusive and not a good role model. You know, I kind of clung to that and we, the teen center had like furniture you can hang out with pool tables, but up front they had like a bar with the chairs. So we would go sit up at the bar and just talk to them and the adults would be on the other side of the bar. Um, no, not serving alcohol. They only have fridges, just soda. That was water. that was later on when you got home. Based on, yeah. based on the stories that I've heard. Yeah, no, there was no, no alcohol in our in that house. No, at, um, at our house, it was under the house. But anyways, um. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It, it wasn't in it. It was under it. Then you guys brought it. <laughs> but um, you sneaky little things. Yeah. Are you learning new things today? Uh-huh. <laughs> no. no, he he was a really good um, guy and. Eventually we started, he said, Hey, I have a Bible study at my house on Wednesdays. You know, would you like to come? And we're like, Oh yeah. You know, um, there was something different that I can get away from the house. I was constantly trying to find things to stay away from the house if Martine was there. And I got to meet his wife and then do Bible study. And then got to be Lowell's wife. Yeah. Okay. And Sue and just eventually just continue to build that like, were there, were there kids? Were there kids still in the house at this time? No, they okay. weren't. Um, I thought. They were, I thought there. I thought Julia the one. No, the, no. Thought, Anna was off. I to thought college. Anna was like her last year of high school at that time that we met him. I thought she was. She, she might have to graduate high school. She might have been, but by I, the time yeah, I started going for think, Bible studies, they were yeah. out of the house. And um, I remember just going there and seeing, you know, all the pictures all over the wall of the happy family and all mm-hmm. that, and it was pretty cool. And um, 
doing the Bible study. So eventually, um, fast forward to high school, my mom and them, um, my mom had a new boyfriend at that time, which is now my continued stepdad for been like 20 some years now. But yeah, we've been together um, 23, but we've been married 17. Yeah. And this is a different guy than the one that was abusive. And he's an amazing guy. And that's that what, um, what moved you to Hutch then? Yeah. David. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then, um, that, and then you decided. Well, to... the way I didn't realize that Hutch went off of trimesters and McPherson did semesters. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to leave until the end of my semester. Yeah, Cause we moved because, here in December. Yeah. And, I was and I'm like, sorry. We moved here in October mm-hmm, and I didn't want to, she wanna, didn't want to leave in the middle of the, of yeah, the year. Right, like got that. It. And I remember yeah. talking to Lowell and them about that, mm-hmm. just about how, you know, I didn't want to have to leave. And I, I, he must've gone and talked to Sue because they both approached me and were mm-hmm. like, well, if your mom's okay with it, you could finish the semester out here. Mm-hmm. And I was like taken aback, like, really? You know? So I, you stayed with him for like two months, three months? Yeah, until, yeah, until several January. Months. And this is something you were okay with? It? Yeah, yeah, because she come and talked to us about it, and she didn't want to go right in, into the middle of that, you know, okay. and then try and, um, and try and pick up, you know, knowing that everything would have changed, and, and try, uh, you know, in the school year, and, you know, knowing that the school year just started in both schools. Yeah. And, you know, and we know that each school teaches a little different. Well, did you finish up the whole year or just that semester? No, I just finished the semester. So you went to Hutch after Christmas break. Yeah, and I actually ended up screwing myself because in Hutch, they were in the middle of their trimester. Yeah. So (laughs) I wanted to finish the semester. Ended up going to a trimester, which was totally different to me. Yeah. But it was a blessing in disguise because, you know, to be able to... Essentially, he, you know, God put in place for him to set those things in motion for me to see what a, what a real father, earthly father could be like to somebody. You know, I remember waking up on Valentine's Day and he had a flower next to my bed and I was, I was taken back and I didn't know what to do. Like, thank you. You know, like it was really cool. And then I was in debate. So they would wake me up at five something go to the tournaments, give me money for lunch and just send me on my way, like getting up like nothing, you know? Some things that most people take for granted. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I certainly took for granted. I mean, being married to you has opened my eyes up to how much, and you've heard me say it before, but a leave it to beaver childhood that I lived. Mm -hmm. That was just, Mm -hmm. it was nothing. Your life's good now. He's talking about our childhood. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, and it was definitely, definitely a... And no, he is not like blinking 10 times or something for saving if anybody's thinking about it. He's fine <laughs> in his marriage. <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm not signaling for support. I'm sending a silent message to the microphone for yeah. everybody listening. No, um, no, it was really good. And then, you know, we still have this relationship to this day. And I know, you know, I can reach out to him. And he's, mm-hmm. he says, you know, he has a picture of our family. Mm-hmm. He comes to Elijah's eighth grade graduation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Just, mm-hmm. just somebody. And it, to me, it's amazing how within your life, like all the trauma that I had done, there's like God puts people in place and puts them in your life mm-hmm. for those pivotal moments. Like everybody has turning moments in their life that deems which way you might go. Mm-hmm. And for me, even though I ended up going into a trimester, I feel like what I gained was a relationship um, 
a healthy relationship and an understanding that I didn't realize that I didn't understand. Yeah, but there was still a lot of work to be done when oh. it came when it came oh, to yeah. that male role model male relationship. Oh yeah, there still is that I have to that, that we'll talk about here in just a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, there still is, but you know, and just and then moving into moving back to Hutch um, from a childhood that I don't remember. I mean, really, yeah, I don't remember a lot of things from when we lived here. But I don't know. Some of what I would, my trauma, like, comes after, like, mom's marriage. So that might be something she wants to talk about before I get into any of that, though. Well, I mean, I think it's just kind of a natural segue if we just kind of want to move into it from there. So, um, so where did you, where did you first meet Martine? Like, how did you, it's like, it's like, a like Voldemort, the name, the, the name. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he shall not be named. It kind of it kind of gives you dry heaves. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I met him in Lyons. We were living in. Me and the kids were living in a house, um, down from my cousin's, and she was married, um, to to a um, a Mexican, and her stepsons came up from Mexico. And they brought a, a few guys with him, and he was one of them. And they were living with where they were living with him, and I lived right down at the end of the block. And I had a cousin that lived right behind me, which was they were sisters, and he would walk. And I know, and I know he would walk from their house back behind my house to the other house. And I know is why he did that. It's because he had an interest in me, and that's why he would do that at night. He would kind of walk back and forth. I lived on the corner, and I was sitting outside one day, and one evening, and he come up and stopped and was t- and started talking to me. Did and he know he, English at that point very well? No, he didn't. Okay, uh, and I knew very little them. Spanish, and most Spanish I didn't know was cuss words. <laughs> I mean, you know, like everybody. Why do we always learn the cuss words in, in a foreign language first? I don't know. Uh, you should ask your daughter about <laughs> what she knows in German. Yeah, only bad stuff. Uh, of course. But, um, and then, you know, it just, it went from there, you know, like, like every, you know, relationship or whatever else, it just went from there. And they lived happily ever after. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then before you know it, he moved in with me and, and. And you're um, how old at this point? I am, let's see. Um, 23. Okay. I think I'm 20. I'm 20. And how old was he? He is 22. Okay. So close in age. Yeah. He's almost a year younger than me. Okay. Um, so he didn't start showing any signs of abuse until, and we were together about six months when we moved to El Paso, Texas. And, when we left and left, and like I said, my parents were already in Louisiana by this time. Um, so I, and, and I lived in Lyons. I had no family, no brothers, no sisters, no nothing in Lyons. I had no family in Lyons at all, just cousins. <clears throat> so in my opinion, I had nothing there, you know. And when he said, let's move to El Paso, he had a sister there, which she was a real piece of work. Um. I said, you know, 
okay. I mean, you know, like I said, he wasn't showing any signs of abuse to me or the kids at this time, you know. And I've never been abused in any way, shape, or form by any males. Not my dad, not my brothers, not my ex-husband, you know. So when you've never been abused before, you don't know what to look for, you know. You, you don't. You don't know what the signs are. If you've never been there, you don't know what to look for, you know. So, it and abusers are subtle. They don't just come right out and start abusing you. You know, they don't, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't give you that that side of them right away. You know, it's... it's Well, it, if they did, like, all those alarm bells in your head would be going of off to where you'd just be like, all right, I'm out. Of course, of where course. It's like... It's, it's like they I, groom you. It's like the, yeah, the, the grooming, mm-hmm. the, the frog in the pot. You know, if, right. you, if you throw a frog into boiling water, they jump out. But if you put them in water and it slowly heats up over time, yeah. they boil to death. Yeah. So it's... um. So what were some of the subtle things that looking back now you recognize now of you course, know? Of course, of course. Um, probably at, at first it would probably be um, don't wear that. Um, I don't want you to wear. You know that's that might be too sexy. That might be too revealing. Don't wear that. Um, I don't want you over there. I don't want you to go. Don't be there that long. You know if we're going over there. I really don't want you hanging out with them. You know, they're not probably not the best people to be running around with, you know. So was your was your mind at first kind of thinking like maybe he knows something I don't or, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, or maybe he's just being protective. Okay. You know, or uh, you know, he don't you know, because at first it's 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 gradual. It's not all at once. They don't tell you these things all at once. You know what I mean? Right. And then um so it's these little kind of things there. Um and then, but like I said, that was very, those were very few and far between at first. <clears throat> and then when we went, then when we got to Texas, then he started being more um, abusive to Josh. Because Josh, jo- Josh was older. When we got together, Josh was almost six. And in Josh's mind, he already lost his dad, which was Gary. Um, Josh was... Josh was the type that was a little bit more sensitive. Kind of reminds me of Elijah when mm-hmm. when things when things heat up. He's he's just a little, little bit more sensitive about his surroundings. We'll kind of backtrack a little bit with Gary. Gary would always promise to come and pick up Josh and Andrea. Oh, I'm going to take you to the movies. I'm going to take you guys. And he would tell Josh, "I'm going to come pick you up. Mm-hmm. Be ready." And Josh would stand one day when we lived at the same house I met Martina. He told Josh. I'm going to come pick you guys up this Saturday. I'm going to take you and Andrea. Josh, Scott, and Justin were too little, and Gary just didn't want to mess with them. I'm going to come pick you and Andrea up. I'm going to take you guys this Saturday. I'm going to come pick you guys up and take you to the movies, blah, blah, blah. And Josh, Josh being almost six, you know, five, almost six, you know, Josh was excited. Okay, all right, Daddy, you know. And all that day, Josh sat at the curb waiting for him to pick him up. Josh sat at that curb all day and would look up and down that road waiting for Gary to pick him up. Never did he come. Mm-hmm. Ever. And he would come in the house and cried. Cried because he didn't come pick him up. Oh, I was so mad at him and it broke my heart. Broke my heart. You know? Ever since and ever since then Josh has hated him. That set the tone for Josh. 
Yeah. That set the tone for Josh. One of those pivotal moments. Yep. That set the tone for Josh when it come to um men and 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 the men in his life. And and um and the um the hate he's had and the mistrust that Josh has had and and the I don't give a crap attitude about everything in his life. That set the tone for Josh. Was that crap right there that day? Set the tone for Josh. Is right there that day. And when I told his um, Gary's parents, Kay was mad, and Kay and Kay got on to Gary for that one, and I got on to Gary for that one. And I said, "Don't act, come, don't come and ask for my kids again." I said, "That boy sat there at that curb, and I'm not lying. Josh actually sat down at the curb, like like you see a little kid sitting at the curb. Josh sat down at the curb with his feet in the in the street." And waited for Gary all day long. Which is a pretty amazing feat for a five, six-year-old kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't mm-hmm. get five and six-year-old kids to do that. No. And Even if you've got es- something that's entertaining. <clears throat> especially with Josh wouldn't have an ADHD. Josh had ADHD. And and he would keep asking me, Mama, where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? How come he's not coming? How come he's not coming? How come he's not coming? You know? And finally, I had to make him come in. You know? Well, and also the perspective here, that too. That set the tone for Josh and the rest of his life. That set the tone right there. And the perspective on that too is like cell phones weren't prevalent either. So it wasn't no. like you could just pick up, and, Hey, where are you at? Right. Like and I didn't, and I didn't have a home phone, so I couldn't call yeah, home. Yeah. So, I mean, know? it wasn't like you could get the instant gratification Mm-mm. that you could get today. So when I got with Martine, Josh didn't trust him. He was a man coming into mama's life. So that made Josh closer to me at that point after that happened with Gary. That made Josh closer to me. And it was like, so he was more protective of me even at his age, Josh was. You know, he didn't want any other man in our life, me or his sister or brother's life, you know, because after that, Josh didn't trust a man coming into our life. After what his dad did to him, he didn't trust no man, you know. Oh, he's just going to disappoint us and hurt us like, you know, his father did, you know. So when Martine came his life. Which he was true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true. Yeah. So when Martine came, Josh didn't trust him and really want him there. So. Josh automatically didn't like Martine and already didn't trust him. So they already are automatically that started to be a love hate relationship between between him and Martine. So it already is so Martine already having that volatile attitude anyway. And I didn't know it when we started when we got to Texas. Martine's real self started coming out. Now he got me away from his family, my family. I mean, and once we got married, I was his. And he started abusing me a little bit, but he really started abusing Josh. So you have you have the small little control things. Mm-hmm. Now you have the isolation. Yep. And now um, and now you're away from every single support structure. Yes. Yes. And I'm assuming at this time, you know, again, we don't have a cell phone that we can easily call for help. Yep. Um, we had you no probably help. have a vehicle of your own. I would no. assume. I, we, what about access to money? No, I I welfare and and. But I mean, as far as access there, to liquid money that you could. No escape Mm-mm. okay i remember Mm-mm. being really little when we lived there and yeah only josh watching, was the only one in school he was in kindergarten yeah watching tv in spanish because they didn't even have it in english and that's where like i just remember like he would stuck make, in a small room he would make well that was at first when we were living with their friends yeah with his sister's friend and i couldn't handle it couldn't handle it so finally they helped us get a duplex and then we got welfare and we still didn't have a car I got his food stamps. This is how bad it was, is they wouldn't take me grocery shopping with my food stamps. 
Martine's sister and the lady that they that his sister lived with because they had the car. They I would have to write out what I wanted, and they would take Martine to the grocery store when we got our food stamps. And I stayed home with my kids. They would take Martine grocery shopping with the food stamps, not me. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's another control and isolation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're at home, you're not out with other people or mm-hmm. other guys or mm-hmm. you know whatever. Mm-hmm. So what what were some of the things I guess you noticed that happened towards Josh? Well, when we lived there, um, Josh started getting, of course, I was already stressed. At the same time, I'm trying to potty train Justin and Scott, you know, no vehicle. Still working on that to this day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh has already got an attitude because of the, I mean, just, I think it was all of it. Um, he was in kindergarten. His kindergarten was about, and, and no joke, his kindergarten was about a mile away. Martin made him walk by himself to 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 school in he would, El Paso, Texas. Yes, in El Paso, Texas. He would Martin would not allow me to to walk him. No, he can walk himself. Nope, nope. He's gonna learn. He can walk himself. Nope, you're not taking. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He would he would kick Josh in the actual ass down the road and make him walk and make him. And while Josh is crying, he will kick him in the ass and make him walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and wouldn't let me do it. A couple times he threw Josh across the bedroom, made him up against the wall. Oh yeah, oh yeah, lock him in the. Oh yeah, it, it was it was bad. It was bad, and to the point where we finally left, and and of course he came, and we went to Louisiana to my mom and dad's. My mom and dad called immigration on him because he was illegal, still at the time. He went to back to Mexico. I came back here to Kansas. He found a way across the border. He came back up to Kansas to Lyons, and then it's all over again. Mm-hmm. And is that when you were in second and Josh was in third? Then they were still young. This was before he was. They were still. This was only. This all transpired only within. The first. So you lived in lines multiple times then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what was your first recollection of violence towards you? And how, like, what did your brain say? Like, holy shit, did that just happen? You know, that kind of thing. Like, what, what's your first recollection of that? It was in El Paso. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Just, just hitting you or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was. Do you even remember what for? Pr- trying to protect Josh. Okay. That he hit that he hit me with the belt mm-hmm, because he was hitting Josh with it, and I tried and I tried to take it from him, and then he and then um he would try and um I tried to run from him one time and trying to get into the bedroom and lock the door, and he told me that I better unlock that door before he breaks it down, you know. And of course, you know, like I said, I've never been to these kind of things before. And we'd only been together about seven months, you know. And, and this is all, I mean, just, I'm all flabbergasted at this time. And it's all new and, and shocking and, and, and fearful. And, you know, so what do you do? You unlock the door, you know, for fear. I don't know what, you know. Yeah. And the real, this, for years, for several years, a lot of it was hitting me, 
or punching me in the arm or pulling my hair, things like that. He didn't, he only really, really beat me once, you know, he did that what real. Do you, what, do you, what do you, what do you classify as beat me? Um, when he broke my nose, gave me a fat lip where I saw the scar and gave me two black eyes okay. all in one day. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it's night. just, I think it's just, that's, that's the stage. That's that beating yeah, that's, that he gave me. So it wasn't just and like, he tried to hit it, you in the arm kind of thing. Oh, no, no. He yeah. beat me and he, and he actually went for the knife that was underneath his seat, that was actually underneath his seat. The only thing that stopped him from getting a knife was his girlfriend. Was that the, not the time he shot the gun at you? I thought that was that time. That, the, when he shot the gun at me, that was... A few weeks afterwards, when he shot the gun at me. Yeah, that was a few weeks after that meeting. Mm-hmm. Was this still in El Paso then? No, 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 no. This okay. was, this was, um. Was it in Hutch or my first name? This here in Hutch. The, Hutch. That was, um. This was about. Shot the gun at me. That was about two years later. Mm-hmm. So in Hutch then? Here? Okay. Um, and then so. Three years later. The gun was about three years later. The gun that he couldn't legally possess. You know, laws <laughs> are in place to keep that from happening, yeah, but it still happens. Right. Criminals do criminal things. Yeah. I'm sure that gun was purchased legally as well, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, so during this time, is, uh, is he, how, how's he making money? At the, at this time that I'm talking about in El Paso. Uh, just in general, like okay, what well, did, you at, can you can set the stage there. How you uh, want? Well, how did he? At that time, he was working at a concrete place in El Paso where they they made like concrete blocks and they break them up and stuff. So he's actually working at that time. Okay. And it wasn't that far away. He walked for, to there. Um, he didn't start dealing until when we moved back here. He would do odd jobs, and then he got he contracted tuberculosis. He had a sister that died from tuberculosis in Mexico because there's two different types of tuberculosis. One type is curable, another type is not. Okay. He had a sister that had the type of tuberculosis is not curable, and she died from it. He's had many, many family members in his family contract tuberculosis. Many. And they've all been cured from it. But he contracted tuberculosis in 94. And... um. When he did, of course, here we lived here, and the health department, you know, gave medication. Of course, me and the kids had to be tested for it to make sure we didn't yeah. have it. He had to be quarantined, and when he had to be quarantined, he couldn't work because he was working at the time. He was working in construction, and this was after Justin set the house, the apartment we were mm-hmm. living in on fire. <laughs> yeah, Justin was three at the time. Yep, and, and I'm sure he was treated nicely for that by Marty. Actually, Justin actually was did, his baby. Yeah, Justin didn't get in trouble for that. Really. Yeah, no. Hmm. Uh-uh. Um, Justin and, Justin and Scott didn't get, Justin and Scott didn't get beat. They got whoopings. Justin and Scott got whoopings. They really did. But they, Justin and Scott didn't get beat. Well, that explains why when Justin, like when Andrea was kind of really first starting to decide to open up and come out about this stuff, like some mm-hmm. of the little bit of disbelief and anger in Justin, that makes a lot of sense now. They were, Justin and Scott were young enough that Martina was able to groom them too. They, they were still babies when he came into the picture. So yeah. to him, they were his because he was able to get them on board right away. Yeah. And Justin and Scott, um, now 
if we if I stayed with him, I'm sure he would have at some point. At yeah. some point, he probably would have. Yeah, you know, but they were still younger, mm-hmm. you know. But um, I mean, they were still witnesses to stuff, but nothing oh, yeah. directly at them. No, no. So they still had secondhand trauma. Well, it's probably yeah. yes. It's probably different to live yeah. or see it than it is to live. Yeah, and and Justin and Scott won't deny anything that that has happened. Yeah, they, I've, they, I've they, never they, heard him do that. No, no, no. And they will tell you he's a piece of he's a piece of crap. And Justin will tell you to this day that if he ever come across Martin, he'd probably kill him. You know. And even Scott to this day will tell you the same thing that he, that he they prefer to see him dead than, than alive, you know. So, um, but he never, he never, I mean, they got whoopings from him, you know, but they never got beatings from him. Yeah. They, they never got beatings from Martine like Andrew and Josh did. Um, but, um, where was I at? <laughs> we were, we were talking about basically that segued from, you taking the belt and running, and that was the first recollection of him him hitting you. That was the first. That was a, a, a long segue back from that. So you were talking about what do you do in that time? You went in, you know, you would hide, but then from fear, you open the door. You went to Louisiana, mm-hmm. and then you moved back here. And then, mm-hmm. so when you say back here, you're in Hutch at this point. But is is he? So he starts dealing drugs. Yeah, there we go. There to, we go. Talk about starts to, dealing drugs. Talk about the yeah ninety four. Because he couldn't work anymore because okay. he had tuberculosis. Is this is this something that he learned from family or did he have to learn it from somebody around here? Did he no. join a gang or anything well, be, like that? Like no. That? No, okay. he never. So since he had tuberculosis, he couldn't work. Right. So he was quarantined. After after the, it was like 60 days or 30 days of the quarantine, he was able to get out, but he couldn't work still because of the tuberculosis. He was still having to take medication and see the health department and... So we go to the lake and whatnot. Well, once he went to the lake, he met another Mexican there that was dealing. And that's how he got into the dealing the drugs because he still couldn't work because the health department still didn't, still told him he couldn't go to work yet. So that's how he got into dealing drugs. And then that was, was that pretty much just what he did the entire time after, after that? After that, yep. So, because I remember Andrea And saying, he sold cars. He actually did get his, he actually did get a license to sell cars. A lot of things you can do with a car dealership and drugs. (laughs) Exactly. See, because that's how he was able to get a lot of cars from other places. And that's how he met a lot of other drug dealers. So he was able to get nicer cars with some of the money that he would buy with with the drugs. He was able to get other cars that he was able to buy because he had a license to sell cars. He was able to get nicer cars to trade for drugs. Yeah. That was closer to the end whenever we were after I... I kicked him out at the end because I was actually at the end. I was actually having thoughts of actually killing him. That's scary. Don't ever tell, don't ever let somebody tell you I can never kill anybody. That's not me. I can never kill anybody. I can never kill anybody. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can actually, if you're pushed, if you're pushed hard enough, you can kill somebody. You or, can, or backed into a corner enough. That's right. Yeah. Because when you feel that there's no other option, when you feel there's no other option in your life to get out of a situation, and those thoughts start running in your head that, that maybe the only other way. And, and, and he wasn't even living with me anymore. I kicked him out. He was living in that apartment a block away from us. 
He wouldn't even live. Not, not, not much of a kick out. Exactly. Still yeah. keep still keep close tabs. <clears throat> he wouldn't even give me the key back to the house. Yeah. So so I mean, because if you think about it, the natural progression was you meet him, you have like your honeymoony type phase or whatever, you moved with him, mm-hmm. and then it was, hey, don't wear that. To the point where now you fast forward, you're getting shot at. You know, yeah. um, he's shooting a gun at you like that. That's a that's a large swath from well from don't wear that to I'm now yeah. trying to kill this, you. This was in about a three year span because he was he was cheating on me. I did the same thing to him. He found out about it, and that's why he beat the crap out of me. Um, and then he come home one night about three weeks after that after he beat the crap out of me. High and drunk. And when he did, he woke me up to fight with me again about it. And he got the gun, and thank God he was high and drunk, and it was in the middle of the night, and it was dark in the house. And no lie, he was where you are for me, and he shot that, he shot that pistol at me. Thank God that he was high and drunk, and it was dark in the house. And he was a bad shot. (laughs) I felt that bullet whiz past my hair. I felt my hair move. I felt the hair move, my hair move on my head. I felt it move. And the bullet went past me and and lodged into the wall by the lamp. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that people don't understand when, if they've never been in a situation like that, they're like, they would ask, why don't you just leave? You don't. The thing is, is you did leave Mm -hmm. a lot. I did. And you had respites with family you've you, my uncles your brothers beat the crap out of him chased him down told the cops if they didn't get to him they would first so i mean we have a very protective family but the thing is is that grooming had started to where mm-hmm. you have that fear instilled where he's like i still get to you i'll get to the kids uh-huh. what do you do if you don't come back to me uh-huh. i'm gonna find the kids when they're not with mm-hmm. you or, or your whatever. family or and your i'm family. gonna take one out or your if family. you don't come back yeah, yeah. or your family it's <clears throat> it's not that easy or it's I, or I'll, I'll never, you know, get help or what, or whatever it may be. Your grandpa even threatened him. Now, the thing is, though, is he even went to prison for two years. Yeah. For getting, for drug dealing. I could have left, I could have divorced him from left and in. But the fear they instill in you, the fear they instill in you makes you too scared. I could have divorced him and left him the first time he went. But the fear in you is so embedded. In, into your into your soul that you're scared to death that when they get out they're gonna find you well that and now he has his family when he's in prison he has his family checking up coming that's right and checking on you that's right coming to mm-hmm. where you're still not alone he yeah. still knows everything oh yeah yeah because his and, family is telling him what's going on and at mm-hmm. this point and had, they did you know and at this point he had already shot his gun at, so you knew he's capable of yeah. it yeah even so, though it, even though that scared the crap out of him he got rid of all the guns he had in the house he got rid of all of them it's not hard for him to find another yeah. one if he wanted to. You know what I mean? And when all this transpired, and he went to jail later on for for domestic violence, not for this, because the cops never knew about this. Um, I moved out on him, and my dad my dad threatened him. My dad told him, "You lay hand on my daughter again." My dad showed him the gun my dad had. I was standing right there. My dad said, "You see this?" My dad said, "You see this gun?" My dad said, you touch my daughter again. My dad said, I'll shoot you between your eyes. My dad said, I have no problem going to prison for you. My dad that's, said, I'll go to prison for you. That's no problem. That's interesting because he is the nicest man 
that I've ever met oh, no, in my, my life. I mean, as far as that, that part I get, but I'm just oh, saying yeah. to hear those, like I'm getting goosebumps oh, right yeah. now thinking about that. My, That's crazy. My, my dad would go to prison for his children. My dad would have. Oh, I don't doubt that a oh, bit. But to, but to hear him he, know, they he, say those words would have been, oh, whoa. He said it more than once to people mm-hmm, for his kids. He said it to other people. Oh, yeah. But he told Martin, he said, you lay hand on my daughter again. He said, I find out you lay hand. He said, I'll shoot you between the eyes. And he said, I'll go to prison. He said, I have no problem with it thing is though is after that martin rarely 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 laid a hand on me after that it was mental abuse that he tried on me and which he, which do you think was worse mental mm-hmm. mental abuse is worse than physical why is that because it gets into your psyche it gets into your head and it lasts longer the physical abuse will go away the bruises they go away the bruises go away but that mental abuse will last for months if not years generations <clears throat> so after a while more than you know it's actually ingrained in your DNA. They're talking about gener- right. generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Sure can. Of of if you had like your 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 parent mm-hmm. that struggled with things mm-hmm. with trauma, mm-hmm. they actually pass it on the DNA. So mm-hmm. like there was a therapist I was talking to at Cameron's award ceremony was talking about Eli, about how in your DNA that he probably likely got some of that generational trauma from you from mm-hmm. what you dealt with that yeah. we'll get to here in a minute. Sorry, yeah. sorry to derail that. But. No, you no no that's 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 good. Um, so I um. After that, it was, it become mental. Calling me names, calling me ugly names. You know, no one's going to ever want you with four kids. Yeah. No one's going to ever want you. Yeah. With you'll four never kids. be anything without you'll me. You'll never, yeah, 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 yeah. You're stupid. You know, you're stupid. You're, no one's going to ever want you with four kids. No one's going to ever want your, your fat, but, you know, but with four kids and, and, and called me all kinds of, you know, derogatory names. I mean, I mean, horrible, horrible names. That I won't say on here. <laughs> you know, after a while, you start believing him. After a while, you start believing him. Well, then I met David. You know, funny thing is, I met David through Martine from a mutual, but they had a mutual friend, you know, and, um, and they come over to the house and that's how I met David. But I always just tell David I should have just ran. No, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, no, actually, they didn't come to the house. We picked, David and his friend up, me and Martine were were going over to pick them up and give them a ride back to David's trailer and, and drop them back off. And that's how I met David. But anyway, um, I, you start believing those things that they actually tell you. You actually start believing no one's going to want me. No one's going to want, you know, yeah, I, I am. But then after a while, and then of course I kicked him out and then he still would try and say, oh, you're, you're this, you're that, you know. And then, and then I start thinking, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not this stupid one here. Then I started turning. Then I started turning the tables on him. Then I started turning. I started turning the tables on him. And then I started doing like, like they said, well, like they call child psychology. Then, because he he was still trying to be abusive to me to an extent, and and he wouldn't even live with me anymore. So I would try and make it where he would make him feel guilty about something. To where he would start feeling guilty about it. He was, he was the stupid one. Ain't me, dude. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm thinking in my head. I ain't the stupid. You're, you're the stupid one. And I, and I started thinking that you can you can call me all kinds of names all day long. I'm the one who taught him how to speak English. I'm the one who taught him how to, to do basic reading. He didn't even know how to write his name when I got with him. All he knew how to do is an X. I taught him how to write his name. How to, you know, how to, to, to write his name. He didn't even know when his birthday was. 
I taught him when his birthday was. Everything. Who's the stupid one? Ain't me. You know? And that's why I'm telling myself I said so now. It ain't me. I ain't the stupid one. So that's when I said he can he can pretty well go to hell. You know? And that's when I said, nope. I said, because, and, and, because these, these things, he was just starting to just, it was just constantly, he was just starting to just, and he wouldn't live in, it's like after I kicked him out, it was just, he was just constant, constant, constant at me, constant at me. And that's when I started trying to get that control back. Yeah. And yep. when, and that's <clears> when I was starting to have feeling, that's when I was starting to have these ideas is like, what am I, what, what am I going to do? You know? And, it's like he just was, he was just more and more at Andrea too. And, and like I said, he wouldn't even live in with us anymore. And it's just like more and more. And, and I thought, this is something's going on. And it was, and it was scaring me real bad. And that's another reason why I kicked him out because I was starting to see things that just was scaring the, the shit out of me. And Josh was also getting worse. And I didn't know what was going on with Josh. 100% I didn't know what was going on with what, what happened between him and Josh at all. I knew nothing. And then I, I was starting to see some of the shit that we was going on when we lived on Ash Street. And I didn't realize, mm-hmm. I didn't realize nothing. And even with some of the stuff that Andrew had even told me later on, I didn't know. I well, didn't know. And because he was, he was, he would go into the laundry room that we had on Ash Street. And, and Andrew would have friends over when you wanted your bedroom on the back porch. And Andrew would switch bedrooms once in a while. And I didn't know why she was want, constantly wanting to switch bedrooms, you know. And um, I would catch him in the laundry room. And the laundry room has a window to the back porch. And I'd catch him in the laundry room sometimes looking at Andrew and her friends on the back porch. And I would go in there and say, what are you doing? And I was just seeing what Andrew and her friends are doing. And I'm thinking, what is he being such a creeper for, you know. And, of course, you had to be very careful with him. Because if you had accused him of something, he'd beat the shit out of you. And And me too. So I couldn't accuse him of things. And I knew something wasn't, something, he was getting more and more, it was getting more and more serious. But I didn't know until later on that he was actually sneaking into Andrea's room. And I didn't know it until later, until, I mean, years later that things was happening and I didn't know it. And, um, but I knew that something bad was either getting ready to happen or, or was happening. And I was starting to get feelings of this. And that's one reason why I kicked them out. And that's when you got to go. And that's one reason why I did. And then he was just getting more creepier after I kicked him out. And that's when I said, it's like, what can I do? I feel, I feel like I had to kill him. You know, that's like, is, is that so, is this, is this the only way I can get rid of him? You know, is the, is, is to kill him? That's horrible. Those are horrible thoughts. You don't want to think of that. If, 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 you know what I mean? Nobody. Nobody wants to have those kind of feelings and thoughts of that that you're capable of that kind of that those kind of thoughts, you know that that's the only way you can get rid of somebody in your life. But then I started praying and thank the Lord, the detective here in Hutchinson, the drug detective Shipley. At the time, he was a drug detective. Actually, was he Martin was actually supposed to be working with him to catch other people. Because, no, it's supposed to be a CI working off charges, likely. Yep. Yeah. And Martine wasn't doing his job to do that. And Detective Shipley called me and told me, he said, Hey, um, what do, what, what do, can you help me? You know, try and get Martine to work with me, you know, to, you know, he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I said, Uh huh. 
There's, I'll, I'll do there's you my one, saving grace. I'll do you one better. That's right. There's my. I'll sa- be your CI. <laughs> there's my saving grace. There's my there. He's the detective was my saving grace, and that's because I knew there's there's my way out. And I told him everything. I told him everything, and that's when he said, "Okay, we're done." He said, "We're done." He said, "Give me a couple of weeks." He said, "Unfortunately, you're going to have to be a little patient with me." He said, "But give me a couple of weeks." He said, "We'll get him." He said, he said, I, we can't allow this. He said, give me a couple of weeks. He said, you're going to have to be patient with me. As soon as we can get him, we'll get him. He said, but he's done. He said, he's out of here. He said, we're done. So but give me, he said, but give me a couple of weeks so we can get him out of here. She, we can't allow that. He said, so after it took a couple of weeks, but they got him. And of course, then he went off to prison for five years because he was, by this time he was illegal here anyway, but illegal here anyway, because he'd already been to prison once and he wasn't supposed to be here. So he got five years in prison and while he, and right when he went to, right when he got busted and went to prison, I divorced him. Mm-hmm. So how, did he get deported once he was released? Yeah. Or, so mm-hmm. they, they basically was like, okay, you're done with your time now. We're deporting you. Yeah. I was okay. already, I was already divorced with him by then. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we rewind, re, rewind a little bit, I know that like, so another thing that blew my mind was some of the punishment styles, like what you were telling me, mm-hmm. the one that stuck out in my mind was the boiling pot of water, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. on Josh. So mm-hmm. you want to talk like some about that? Well, going back a little bit further, I don't know if the boiling water was in McPherson or Lyons, but McPherson. I think it was in McPherson. So before we moved to McPherson, um, we were still living in Lyons and um, the house is not there anymore. Um, it was torn down. It's a two-story house. It burned down. Um, it was right down the street from your parents. Yeah. Oh, was, was, was Justin the corner there? house. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't do that one. Yeah. It was that one that you used to The yellow in. one. Uh-huh. Yeah. The yellow, yeah. It's like yellow and brown, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it used to be a Bill Coke's house back in the yep, day. Yep, we bought mm-hmm. it from them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was probably when I first started really remembering the, like, the abuse, I guess. That's my first recollection him. of you guys is um, living in that house. Yeah. And so I was probably, what, in second grade when we lived there at that yes, time. because Josh and, and I were in third. Mm-hmm. And, that's and we were in Mrs. Bush's class. And that's when I met my wonderful husband. <laughs> oh, don't, wor- don't worry. We'll get him more into that later, too. Um, so, you know, I remember at that time, even as young as I was in second grade, trying to be careful what you say to him because you would really piss him off. Mm-hmm. And I I remember saying something. I don't remember what it was, but he had come up with maybe a broomstick or something, and he hit the chandelier or a lamp, and it broke, and it came down and got my hand and sliced my hand. And I remember Mom trying to say, well, we need to take her to the ER. She's going to need stitches. And he refused because he didn't want that trouble he didn't want want trouble he didn't want no Uh so i just i'm assuming he had is he's dealing drugs at this time too Uh no so why didn't he want the police there because he's illegal okay Uh and he was abusing her anyway why would he want well i was just curious yeah that's what i'm saying like he wouldn't want anybody there because then they're gonna they would probably find i just figured he'd be worried about the cops finding his stash or something like that so uh, who knows, he never him, really, but... he never really did drugs. With him, it was when he did drugs, it was only social with other people to try and show them what the product was about. He wasn't a druggie. That's why we always had money. Mm. He never was a druggie. He he only sold. Well, oh, had he money only... when he was out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when yeah. he was out and dealing. Yeah, yeah. He he only he only 
sampled the product with people that was buying it. He never did. He never did drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So he he never he never did drugs. He only sampled it with the person that was also doing it. And and he and the only time he drank, only time he drank is whenever he was actually going out for the weekend to the Mexican bar. bar. Yeah. yeah. You, you you could go into our house at any time of the day or in the weekend. You never found alcohol in our house ever. Yeah. Ever. He was just mean. Yeah. I mean, even when we didn't leave in, live in Lions, we would go back to Lions, spend the weekend so that he can go to where the old skating rink used to be to go to the Mexican dances, Mexican dances all the time. Yeah. Um, but when he was drunk, he was even meaner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then going from there, remembering that, you know, and then him and then turning it around like it was my fault that it happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, like because he had because to get on of you, you for something. This is why this happened, mm-hmm. you know, and they made it worse. Yep. Yep. And just name calling different things um and then when we lived in mcpherson that's really the worst um we lived on ash street yeah it was on ash street and i remember he was dealing drugs at that time because i remember he had a lot of it out in the open and Mm -hmm. um not so out in the open that it wasn't obvious, but out in the open enough to us kids, we knew where it was at. And he blamed Josh for taking some of his drugs. Mm-hmm. Which wasn't Josh. Which it wasn't was his, Josh. It was his nephew that yeah. did it. And mom was cooking and had like start boiling corn. Huh? His nephew's name start with an E? Yeah. Yeah, I booked him in. Yeah. Um. So she had like boiling corn on the stove and yeah. he yeah. grabbed it. <laughs> And took the whole thing and tossed it on Josh. Mm-hmm. And I had to step and in. Mom stepped in and took I, the rest of the beating. Yep. Because yep, I, I was there for that whole thing. I remember that whole thing. Yeah, well, because jo- at this time, Josh was 14. Yeah. And Josh was. At this time, Josh was starting to get rage because of his age. And of course, Josh screamed because of the pain. And I stepped in because I thought, no. So I stepped in between Josh and Martine at this point and, and, and I got into Martine's face because I knew, and of course, Josh is starting to get mad. He did because he's blaming Josh for taking that, that eight ball mm-hmm. <clears throat> when in fact, Martine's nephew took it and Josh had something to do with it too. But Martine's nephew is the one who actually took it. And, um, I stepped in between them. And I got into Martine's face and I told him, don't you ever, ever do that to my kids again. You know, because he, he did, he threw, I, he threw that pan of corn at, at, at Josh. And that's when I told Josh, I said, Josh, go. Because mm-hmm. Josh was starting to get his hands and he, Josh was balling his hands up into a fist to the side. And of course, at Josh's age still, Martine would have hurt him. You know, because Josh was only 14 at this time. This is right before Josh got sent away to boys home. And, I told Josh, I said, go, get out, get out of the house. That's why I made Josh leave. And then that's when I directed Martine's anger towards me, you know, so that he, so that he would take his anger out on me and said, I can handle it. I'm, I'm grown. I can handle it. Take it, give it to me instead, you know, so direct it towards me, whatever it takes. So just so that Josh should get out, direct it towards me. I don't care, you know. Which he did plenty enough times anyway. I can handle it. I'm grown. I can handle it. Which, you know, I did. And, and, and you know, it's mentally, I'm pretty strong. So, you know. 
he did a lot he did a lot of crap to me so it's like yeah. Yeah, it is what it is well before backtracking a little bit before we lived in mcpherson we lived in salina and then we mm-hmm. moved to mcpherson mm-hmm. salina is really where a lot of the sexual abuse started with martine mm-hmm. and um, i knew nothing of this and we were always aware of the physical abuse we, yeah walking on eggshells you yeah. know around yeah. him don't piss him off you know to give you an example, I got car sick, a child getting car sick, and, you know, I'm like, yeah, you stop, yeah. and then mom's like, hey, pull over, she's going to get car sick, and he's yeah. like, no, she's not. So she I gets, vomit on get, him. She gets sick, yeah, and he And then he drunk. beats me because yeah. I vomit on him because yeah. we, you know, and it's just yep. kind of went from there, so we were always on eggshells in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Salina, this is one of the times he was in and out of prison, so the times that he was out of prison, we had money, so we were able to do things because... Um, you know, he was getting his money in whatever yeah. way he could. Drug dealing. Yeah. And he was drug dealing at that time. And we had, you know, a Lincoln town car, a nice car, a nice mm-hmm. place we were staying. But we wanted things because we were kids. So if we wanted mm-hmm. a four wheeler or a trampoline, um, we had to quote unquote pay for it. So at that time, he was doing things to me and Josh. I was in the hospital when, um, I, when I heard, I didn't hear about that until. You guys were grown. Yeah. And I heard what happened. I was in the hospital. Yeah. When I heard that, because he made, I heard that he made Justin and Scott go to school. Yeah. And he let, he he had you and Josh stay home. Yeah. Which, I don't know, because his dad was living with us then. So, where he was, I don't know. Because remember, his dad was living with us then, so I don't know where he was. Well, it was rough, because he would... As children, I don't know how old was I, like eight or nine in Salina? Is that what it, about that? I can't remember exactly. I think it was around there. Yeah. You were, we moved, we moved to, we moved to McPherson in 98. So this would, this was in 90, this was actually the first part of 98. Yeah. So you were, so like 10, maybe 10. Yeah. Yeah, you were 10. Um, 11. You were 11. Yeah. I mean, I know things like... You were 11. Yeah, things like that were happening before. He would rub up against me, you know, make me uncomfortable or, you know, tell me, oh, those look really good on you or whatever outfit might be. And I'm little, so I'm like, oh, daddy likes my shirt. Okay, you know, I'm going to wear it, whatever. And then um, we'd be like, oh, hey, can we get a four-wheeler? You know, but at that point he would... And make sure nobody was home. And at that time, yeah, he kept Josh and I home together. And yeah, I was, at in, that the ho- point, I was in the hospital for two days. Yeah. And at that point, he took both of us in the room together and essentially sexually abused both of us together at the same time while we had to watch him um, self-pleasure himself. And and then all the threatening and then the, you know, if you say anything, blah, 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 beat your mom, beat whatever it might be. You know, and I black a lot of that out. Um, not so much because I want to, but when it comes to trauma, you push it aside, you know, and then this eventually becomes the norm for me as a child. Like mm-hmm. it's just normal. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's, it's not normal, That's right. you know, and we had all these cool, fun things, you know, we were getting money, you know, he would get drunk. We'd go to the quick shop. He would give us money and then we would see who get to keep the extra money, mm-hmm. you know, cause he wouldn't care. But we paid for those one way or another, whether yeah. that was physical abuse or him laying hands on one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving to Hutch, 
no, sorry, McPherson and on Ash Street. Um, I remember being stopped in a lot of different areas of the house. You know, he would trap me in corners or he would sneak in my room and lay hands all over me. You know, it never went a hundred percent to full blown, um, to full blown intercourse. But at that point, you have years of, um, the abuse, the sexual abuse, the, you know, I can't think of the right word off the top of my head right now where you're, you know, it's molestation with Mm -hmm. whatever else that might be, you know, where no part of my body was safe. I would get to the point where I would, I became a tomboy. Mm -hmm. I started wearing baggy jinkos, t-shirts to try to make it to where he wasn't attracted to me, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't it. And I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I started, that's when I started going to the teen center, hanging out. And at this point, um, you know, I'm thinking that this is normal. This is normal behavior. So then I'm finding guys who are giving me attention that are like different, but you know, it feels good, you know, cause I'm like, Oh, okay. They think I'm pretty this or whatever it might be. And you know, you got brothers that are all hanging out there and they don't give a crap, you know, while your mom's working to try to take care of you and raise us. And, um, you know, you're hiding it from her as much as you can, because you feel like it's your fault. Like it's on you. Mm -hmm. Like if you tell her it's your fault, Mm -hmm. you know, I cornered you, I gave you money for that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, me grabbing you or doing this or putting my mouth here or whatever it might be, I gave you money for that. Mm -hmm. So you're just as guilty as I am. Mm -hmm. They find out you're going to be just in as much trouble as I am, you know? And looking back now, you know, as an adult and then end up going to college and having the education, um, you know, the, I got a degree in human services psychology and having that understanding of, you know, that trauma and that secondhand trauma and all of that, it's not the child's fault. Exactly. But become, they become so groomed that they don't understand it. And I think that when you are abused and put in those positions, you, it's like you get a beacon put on you from mm-hmm. other people who are abusers. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look, they're now like, they look like they've. Yes, yeah, so easy like target. I don't know. Neon sign around your neck. Yeah, because yeah. for me, it didn't just start or end with him. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a point at which we lived in Hutch, and we uh, there was a kid that lived not that far away from us, and we were all staying the night over there, and and he ended up abusing me too. And I remember we, you know, he cornered me in a bathroom, and. Um, started molesting me as well. And this was during the whole Martine thing. And I remember telling mom about that. And then, you know, the boy got put in Bob Johnson's and got locked up. But, and I'm not, one part of my brain's like, okay, why could I tell about that? But I couldn't tell about Martine, you know, mm-hmm. why could I do this, but not that. Mm-hmm. And then as a teenager, you know, Martine was out of the picture, but then, you know, you have your brother who's been put in a position where he was abused. So he went one way. Mm-hmm. You're trying to go the other way yeah. and lead your life and do better, mm-hmm. you know, and then in his mind, that trauma and that abuse, mm-hmm. that's what it is normal to him. Mm-hmm. So then you're concerned that, you know, what's he going to do to me or mm-hmm. what's his friends going to do to me? Yeah. Because you're not, because you, you don't have that healthy mindset. Because you were sexually abused by other kids and, and from, yeah. from, and so it was, so was Josh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Josh was sexually abused by other, by a, uh, another boy, and Josh was mm-hmm. actually, from what he told me, was sexually abused by. I know for a fact by at least one family member. Yeah, 
and actually a family member of ours. Yeah. A female family member of ours. Yeah. But I, I won't say. Yeah. I mean, it's... An older one. People... But that's on, that's on Josh's It's head, like predators right? can see that trauma and they can see that mm-hmm. vulnerability. And, you know, I remember as a teenager, one of his friends had... That I didn't they know were about all, until just yeah, recently. But, they were all... Well, I knew about it several years ago, but I forgot about it. But, yeah. And which makes you... You know, when he was younger, it happened to Josh when he was younger. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Josh defended me at this point and beat the crap out of him because he had cornered me in our basement and um, was trying things, you know. And so it was just a confusing time Mm -hmm. and just the abuse that just continued. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like looking back now, you realize that's not normal. That's not... Mm -hmm. The way you're supposed to live, that's not how kids are supposed to live. You're not supposed to live in seven, you know, go to seven schools in one year. You're not supposed exactly. to be running from the cops. Unless you're in the military. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not. And then supposed, it's still not seven one. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not supposed yeah. to. It's not normal to know that there's drugs in the house. It's not normal. Exactly. To constantly go visit a prison and know what, the exact routine of what you should do to go in, what you can't bring. Yeah, exactly. Bring in your Ziploc bag full of quarters because you know that <laughs> vending machine's going to need those quarters. Yeah. We got real good at cards and dominoes though. But, yeah, sure. you know, and then there's a specified daycare for the kids. If you don't want um, to go, don't in, the go in the prison, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's just all these things. Sure. That were normal to us. Yeah. Oh, it's the weekend. We're going to the prison or, you know, whatever it might be. And I guess that grooming, even as a child for those victims, you don't have a victim mentality at the time when you're younger because Mm -hmm. you don't know that it's not right, even though they're turning it around on you. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain. Um, That's one reason why I really feared becoming a mother um i didn't want something bad to happen to my kids i didn't want to have them ever go through anything that i did Mm -hmm. so you know i was very overprotective and always looking right and left and Mm -hmm. people i'm like is this person creepy whatever it might be but and you still do i still do yeah but um i don't know i just growing up i think i did really well in school I was always really good in school. Um, Mom never had to worry about me there, but I was acting out at this point and going and partying and drinking and um, getting into clubs and bars. And I was underage, but I looked old enough. Um, I was out there giving myself freely because I thought that's what love was. I thought that's mm-hmm. what the attention was supposed to be for. Mm-hmm. And then that's treated like time for birth control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that and just, you know, when your mom's having to pull you out of a hotel room in the middle of the night because you're partying and And threatening to kill the guy you're with. Yeah. I mean, I threatened threatened him to send him back to Mexico in in pieces. (laughs) You know, so for me in my life, God was present from the beginning. I just may not have been able to see it because he he would put people in my life through Lowell, Mm -hmm. um, through Nick in second grade, and then getting to know each other over time. Mm -hmm. You know, people that. It's like building blocks in your life that sets the tone for the positive. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, even you and Aunt Pat coming and dragging us out. I mean, that's still a God moment because yeah. we could have been hurt, killed. I mean, anything sure. could have happened. Taken advantage of or they could have slipped something in your drink. And yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a teenager and I didn't know better, you know. No. No. 
you know, to you is just, oh Lord, here they come again, trying to ruin the fun. Yeah. (laughs) You were 17 at that time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you were 17. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, fast forward to, you came back to, to, um, Lions to, or I said, did I say fast forward? Rewind. My bad. (laughs) Rewind. You, you came back to Lions to visit for some reason, because that was when your grandparents were living across the street from Workman Park there on Main Street. Yeah. So all three of those houses were our family. The middle one was our grandparents and then we had aunts and uncles on the other side. So we would go and we would all just get together and have family barbecues and whatever. I just remember that front porch being packed on a regular basis. We always had family there. That that was another like culture shock for me when I first like started dating you. Was like, uh, I mean, you've you yeah, you've heard you've heard me, you all have heard me say this before. But like when <clears throat> I first got with Andrea, like when we would have quote unquote family gatherings, it was mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, me. That was it, <laughs> and that was it. And like, Andrea's like, barbecue? oh hey, we're gonna have a barbecue, <laughs> and I'm like, oh okay, cool. So I'm expecting like Cindy, David, Andrea, maybe her brothers, <laughs> and at that time they didn't have kids, and so it was like. I mean, Justin may have had his son, but I don't remember. But, um, but it would have been around around that time. But anyway, and it's like twenty or thirty people, and I'm like, oh my god, where did all these people and come from? Nothing. I'm like, this ain't nothing. They not even third of the people showed up. No, and then and then when I went to your first family reunion, I'm like, I've arrested him. I've arrested yeah, him. That ain't nothing. I've arrested him, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that guy's got a warrant. And I'm like on the phone, and Andrea's like, you are not arresting my cousin at a family reunion. I'm like, hey, they got a warrant. They got a warrant. Like, you can wait till after. Like, don't. <laughs> they got a warrant. They got a warrant. <laughs> you can wait till after. <laughs> but, um, but you know, so then you came back to visit too. Um, and I remember those like monkey bars. Mm-hmm. Over there by that like little twisty slide that they yep. had there is like where I guess I said the words that shall forever live in infamy. Yeah. Tornado, the tornado slides, old tornado slides you used to have. Yeah. That we climbed I, on in really awful, dangerous ways. <laughs> I showed, I remember, yeah, I had my, that's when they had the skate bar, skateboard park there too. Yeah. You know, I showed up with my hair and buns looking all cute. He's like, oh, you look like Princess Leia. Oh, thank you so much. And, of course, I'm over here like, you look like Princess Leia. <laughs> I don't remember that. Because <laughs> uh, that's that was – I didn't have the reference of, like, girls the same way because girls didn't want to be around me. Um, you know, I didn't go to parties. I was the cop's kid that nobody wanted around. I was in my parents' basement. I was literally that kid in my parents' basement playing video games. I'm like, that was my stereotype. I mean, the flip side, my parents didn't have to ever worry about where I was at, what I was doing, if I was well, doing we drugs were, or kind of like we were in I, I wasn't. I wasn't in a hotel with random people having I knew my parents. Who come they in. were. You did, and so did she, and that's why she came to get you and See, was like, get the hell out of here. I was in my parents' basement too. We were just drinking in the basement. But the alcohol you got from under the house. No, that was a different one. That no, was where did I come from? Anyway. See, <laughs> you even keep see, track of no, all that this. was when we lived in. That was when we lived in a trailer park in Salina, huh? and we lived next. We <laughs> you lived, were even younger then. Where did I know? That, okay, had, that so, had to come from Martin's <laughs> nephews. <laughs> no, it didn't. So Mark, there's a guy named Mark who lived next door oh, to us. Yeah, he was not. And he, he always had beer though. I've well, heard, I've heard weird stories about that guy. Yeah. Well, he always made mac and cheese with water or beer and try to feed it to us. It was weird. But anyways. Um, he was a, he was a nice guy though. Really nice guy, but he loved his cut off shorts with nothing else. And it was just really inappropriate. <laughs> he never wore underwear. <laughs> there were things that were hanging out of some cut off shorts. Those and are the I weird was, things. Yeah. That's probably when I was his, seven or eight, maybe his, there. His berries. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. don't ever lay on the floor with him walking over you. We were all scarred children, but, um, <laughs> we would take beers out of his, 
out of his fridge uh, and okay, go underneath the trailer, go. There you go. Yeah. our trailer, and drink them under there. I was working there. And I Martine was, was in prison at this point. Yeah, and I, I worked two jobs at that time. Well, and Martine's brother, no, his sister and her husband were living with the guy named Mark next to us. Yeah, they were working And M- Maria... Maria and Tony were living. Yeah, them. and they were doing drug deals behind the trailer parks. Like, constantly Drugs people... in the trailer park? What? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is probably one of the worst trailer parks in Salina, too. Yeah, we even need to go back. But I would... Only, we only live four houses. We only live four trailers in, thank the Lord. We didn't yeah. live in the, into the trailer park. We only well, live, like, four trailers in. I so was, you lived in the prime real estate yeah, of that, the trailer yeah, park? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, we lived right behind Brahms. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I and just Spanish. remember. I just imagine the listing for that piece of property. We have a view of Brahms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I drove through that one as an And the dike is right cool. behind us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found lots of money back there. I would go back there as kids would and walk it. And you were able to get a brand new pair of shoes with those 20 bucks you found. Yeah, so I found 20 bucks. No, that was when I had a feeling that there was some at the hotel parking lot. And I went and I ended up having to buy shoes because you couldn't afford to get us any. So that was a God thing. But, you know, in that same area, there was... I even wore two jobs. (laughs) There was like a drug deal or something going that had gone on and it was bad. And two guys were chasing each other. And I think, like I said, at this time, we were in Salina, probably seven or eight. I was probably around that age. Yeah, you're you're about eight. And one guy was chasing the other one with a baseball bat. Because you're all in in school. He beat this guy so bad in front of me and my cousin. Well, she was cousin through marriage. Um, Beat him so bad he almost killed him. And we had to go and testify. And she refused to testify. And her dad was okay with it because they were quote-unquote friends or knew the guy who had done it. So I remember going and doing that. And that was so scary. You know, seeing one, seeing someone almost get killed as you're walking to the convenience store because all we were wanting to do is get a pop and then them refusing to testify. So now you're the only one having to do it. And then years later or however long it might have been, you go to a church function and that same guy who you helped put away is at that church function. That was the scariest thing as a kid that I could remember. Even the sexual abuse, everything that was happening to me like that was normal i guess for me that was like the norm but this guy you know coming and facing that was very scary um so i was always i was really happy that we moved from salina but yeah it was a pretty bad place to live yeah so scary. then so then when when i was trying to get with you and i was trying to like show you love but like i always joke that you settled on me finally because I wouldn't quit bothering you. Yeah. Roll roll your eyes. <laughs> roll your a, eyes. Nobody else can nobody else can hear it. Was or, he a pest? <laughs> no, see for me, you know, I even look back in my childhood diaries and I remember writing in there that I thought, Oh, Nick was so cute, you know, I was a kid. But for me that wasn't normal. Like, what does he want from me? Why is he acting this way towards me? What does he want to gain? Because to me the nice wasn't normal. The the showing affection, the you know, taking me to the movies, going out to eat, like, okay, you know, that's really cool. That's really nice of you. But yeah. you put your wall up because to me, that's not normal. Yeah. And the thing is, is anybody who may be listening may be like, no, what you did wasn't normal. But yeah. you don't realize that or understand that. Well, but they don't have the perspective you do. No. And I think I had between faith, God, having the pivotal people in my life, like Lowell showing that. Yeah. And then just accepting that, you know, I do deserve yeah. to be happy. Yeah. I do deserve for somebody to love me. 
you know, and at this point I had gotten pregnant with Elijah. Um, and I didn't that's make, why she settled. <sighs> no, <laughs> I did not make smart decisions, you know, and I partied and things happened, but I wouldn't change it for the world as far as my children go. But yeah. You know, and it's not true. I refused to let do any Nick do anything for my child. I was like, I'm not dating you or doing it for you to I have anything. You say, I remember you saying that. I refused well, and, that. I was and like, to be fair, you were not his dad. And to be fair, I held a lot of myself back to yeah. see to see how you were going to be, to see if I was mm-hmm. just going to be the sugar daddy or if you were actually inter- interested in a relationship with me. As a matter of fact, I can still remember the very first purchase decision I ever made with my money. Yeah. And, but I refused, like, I'm not going to ask you for anything because that's not your responsibility. I'm not dating you Mm -hmm. to get a dad. I'm like dating you because you're treating me right. And I'm like, this feels right. Not Mm -hmm. because, yeah, not because I need something. You were looking for a replacement. Oh no, because Mm -hmm. I could have done it on my own. Yeah. And at this point I was living with you and you were helping me with Elijah, Mm -hmm. you know, and you guys were a godsend for me. Elijah Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't be the kid he is Mm -hmm. today I think that's another reason why help, he but. sees our house as his second home because he lived there this first the first ten almost eleven months of his life. Yeah, yeah. So he's comfortable there, you know. Yeah, and then that's until you, you guys moved to Pratt. <clears throat> I think Elijah was over one before. No, I, I don't remember. You. No, you guys moved there in February. You moved with him in February. Yeah, but I tell him you women are walking Rolodexes. <laughs> How do you remember? Like she's over here pulling up like dates and <laughs> shit from twenty years ago. Yeah, but if you ask her why she walked into the next room, she won't remember. Right? <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. But I had to walk back <laughs> to but, just to remember why I was walking yeah. there. In the first or are you place. looking for your phone that's in your yeah. hand? Yeah, but, or up to your ear. Yeah. But I mean, when it comes to that situation, it's understandable. You know, I wanted to show you that I wasn't wanting you there to be his dad, you know, Mm -hmm. if that ever turned into something, then that would be organically how it happened. But I was not going to let that. I wanted to show you that I liked you and I wanted to get to know you. You know, I remember when I found out I was pregnant, I was more scared to tell you than I was to tell my mom because I had started to have feelings for you. And all the time we were spending together, but I was still stupid and going out and partying and doing things, which, you know, to me was just how it was supposed to be. Like, that's how love and affection is supposed to be shown. And you were showing me another way and I was scared. So I was running in the opposite direction. Um, And I can see that, especially now, you know, so that's why I wanted to be like, oh crap. I know that if I tell him anything that may have been. The potential future is just lost. Like, it just and I did tell you to pack sand at first. Yeah, you did, and I'm like, you know, okay, we can still be friends, talk, friends, whatever. But even then, I think it was a little while before you did. But I was actually reading that letter. I still have that. Yeah, I was reading that last week, week before, something like that. Remember when I was coming back, showing you all of those like funny videos of like you with the kids, like yeah, like you with Elijah and stuff. And you were like, oh, were you going through that or something like that? That was when I I found it and read it. I'm a, I'm a hoarder, but I do that with, I do that with files on a computer. (laughs) Like my, my, I'm having to, I'm actually having to start maybe investing in Dropbox instead of using it for free. Cause Mm -hmm. when, when Dropbox first came out, they had, if you got people to sign up, they would give Mm -hmm. you credit, upload credit Mm -hmm. um, because they made money off of you. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting to the point where they don't do that anymore. And I'm such a hoarder. I actually even deleted stuff. But I, 
probably stopped investing things. But so anyway, <laughs> I, I'm a hoarder of files instead of things. Yeah. Yeah. My wife, on the other hand, is a hoarder of things. Me no, too. I I've got not. to start. As soon as the weather starts getting nice, I, I got to get rid of some but crap. You, but you, I have to get rid of some crap. <laughs> but my thing is, like, our children have so many clothes. I'm like, just throw them away. Get them. Get rid of them. Why Go, like, throw them away when you I mean? can donate see? them? See? Somebody else. But the thing is, is a lot of you too. right here have listened to my childhood and how hard I had to find $20 drug money to buy shoes. <laughs> well, it wasn't her drug money. It wasn't mine either. <laughs> okay, that's true. Well, that's, that's what but I was telling. that's my was, point. It was so, found drug money? Yeah. So. That's what I was okay. telling my mom. That's what I was telling my mom because she she lived in abject poverty as well. But like for her, she was an only child. It wasn't like drug. I mean, it was an alcohol, abusive alcoholic father. Mm. But, you know, she she sees things from a different light as far as like the they always got things and purchasing out of necessity so like for instance when she needed she always tells a story about grandma selling um yeah eggs to buy her glasses you know so there was always that like money was that like necessity to like Mm -hmm. buy that thing and then Mm -hmm. so i tell her i was like i was like andrea sees you know like lots of food in a pantry or lots of clothing in a Mm -hmm. dresser Mm -hmm. as i'm providing for my children Mm -hmm. because i never got those things Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but sometimes it's a little to excess mm-hmm. to where we need to now like downsize yeah. that, which we have, and we've yeah. gotten better with those things over the years. And yeah. for the, through some quarreling, of course, and yeah. you being angry with me because I'm a very frank man. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, doesn't mean you're always right. But <laughs> I'm always right. Never yeah. been wrong yeah. ever. But my thing is, is I would rather because of my childhood, because of what I had to go through, I'd rather donate that because I know the struggles of people out there. But that's my thing. Let's donate it. But let's just get it gone. And I did. We did. Yeah, you did this time. It didn't sit by the back door for like four months. Well, somebody <laughs> also has two hands and could have taken it from the back which door. Is why I had, which is why I had the children put it at in the van. Um, All right. So anyway, we're I gonna mean, fight on the mic. Hold I mean, on, we're gonna pause so Andrew and I can fight. We'll be having no, all <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys. I will say one day. I mean, we. I mean. When you guys, you know, with you know, with you kids, when you guys were growing up, I and mean, we we struggled. A little. Yeah, there was times you struggled, but you, know, you guys never did, never starved. But you know, one thing we struggled. There were times I heard a lot about macaroni and hot dogs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, they they, they they got fed, but you know, there was times we had to, especially at the end of the month. Like I said, when there was times, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had I was on government assistance. At the end of the month, I had to make things stretch until because, mm-hmm. like I said, you got paper food stamps yep. at that time in the mail. So, let's, for an example, let's say if I got my food stamps, I was supposed to get them on the 4th. And, of course, they're coming in the mail. Let's say the 4th in, let's say the fourth was on a Sunday. Uh, yeah. Well, you may get them on the 3rd, but you may not get them until the 5th or the 6th. It yeah. just depends on the mail system. Whereas so, now it just magically appears on a card. Exactly. Yeah. So, at that time, it's like, okay. And I went grocery shopping, you know. I did actual grocery shopping, but back then when you went and, and you, and you went to the store and cause they were in dollar mm-hmm. increments of like actual money, ones, fives, tens, and twenties, you know? So how did they do change? They give you back real change. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we, it was money. That's it how was, we would get gas yeah. <laughs> in the car. I'll be, I'll be damned. See, that's another thing I would have never, yes. never known about, thought yeah. about. That's how. We but that would was also gas. back in the 1900s when gas was like exactly. 80 cents a gallon. Exactly. <laughs> so I would, t- I would have, so I would have each one of the kids. I would give them each one dollar. Yeah. Of the money, and I say, okay, go in and get a pack of bubblegum. About that time, bubblegum was uh, a little pack of the, of the Wrigley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bubblegum. It was like twenty five, thirty cents. Mm-hmm. Go in there and get one. Go in there and get one. Go in there. 
So I get like 75 cents, 75 cents. So you got or, like, or you know, two or three gallons of gas there. So yeah. each time the kid Wouldn't would go Wouldn't even buy in, you a, a half a gallon so today. I, so I would be able to get gas in the car so <clears> I could get back, I could get them to school, I could get back and forth to work or whatever it may yeah. be, you know. That's when Dum Dum was in prison. So, but not only that, I mean, that's one thing. But at the end of the month, you know, I would always make sure I had at least tuna, macaroni and I cheese. I hate tuna. <laughs> Hate tuna. Hey, actually, hey. you hey. tried fresh tuna hey. and you were okay with it. Hey, all I can think of is canned tuna and different. mac and cheese. Growing protein, up. protein. I survived. So but I have a choice now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I have a choice now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But there was always noodles, pasta. Yeah, yeah carbs. Pe- peanut butter, jelly. Protein, yeah. I mean, I always had. They always made sure that I had those kind of things in my house at, for the end of the month, to where they that I always made sure that my kids because you know, they always had food at school. Well, and not only that, but it you always know? seemed like your house had a plethora of other children in it as well. Yeah. Like even when I w- met yeah. when yeah. I met Andrea, like there yeah. was there was oh my gosh, yes, it always seemed like that every time I came over, there was like four or five different other people's mm-hmm. kids there that you were even feeding mm-hmm. and taking care of, and some yeah. even lived with you for a little while too, and. Uh, Flamer. What was his name? Oh, Steve. Yeah, Steven. Yeah. yeah. But my my thing is, but if- when they were younger, I mean that that was it, you know. And and there's times where I was, and because you know, when when you're poor, you know, and you want to give your kids a, a treat, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like you go in the you you go in the kitchen and make pies and cookies and mm-hmm. whatever you want. So it was like, so always Jello was cheap, mm-hmm. you know. And for for the most really ain't anymore. <laughs> So I always made sure I had Jello on hand. So I always made sure that there well, we always had Jello. I mean, when kids are little, Jello was Jello was they the don't shit. Care. Like, well, I don't really like it anymore. But yeah, so I always made sure that we had Jello. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the weekends, I always made sure I had pancake mix so that at least they mm-hmm. had pancakes for you know and eggs for breakfast. You know, or if if I couldn't have cereal, sometimes they didn't have cereal or oatmeal. You know, so oh. they they always had got fed. They just uh, didn't get fed. Steak and shrimp. And, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing they got, that you, they got fed. They one, always got fed. One thing you realize when you have little, and I think that's why a lot of the kids come over is, and that was the same with, you know, one of my friends that had previously moved away from Sterling. Um, you know, there was always kids at her house and they didn't have very much. But I feel like if you have the least, you understand how hard it is. But you're also mm-hmm. sometimes the most giving. And willing to help somebody else because you know what it's like. Yeah. You know, I remember when we lived in El Dorado and we had, we would get, they would throw us kids over the recycling because at this time they had their cans outside in like a, a gated fence, uh, Dodge City, sorry. (laughs) They had like a gated, um, gated fence of recycled smashed cans. And that's where the recycling plant would keep it. But I never went with you guys. But in order to survive and get the next meal or whatever it might have been, our gas. You know, uh, Martine would take us and toss us kids over the over the side to get cans, throw them back over, so we can turn them back in and get money. <laughs> I mean, you just—they would. They would actually. We go to thought the recycle, it was so much fun as a kid, but steal we didn't them. know they would go in there, steal them, and then go the next day and turn them back <laughs> into the same place to get the money. Because <laughs> that's how we would get gas in our car. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's horrible to say, but you know, you would. You it's know? things like that that. People just that's don't how understand. we got them to school, you know. When we lived in Dodge City, yeah. we lived with some friends, and oh, well, actually, yeah. the, the the guy that actually got him into dealing drugs, you know, we lived in their little tiny motorhome. Yeah, those that people was were, rough. Those people were yeah used to hide oh. all of our 
Halloween candy up in that. The, they couldn't get their, any their, of it. their kids were, <laughs> yeah, their kids were horrible. Yeah, they were bad. <gasps> you know, the oldest boy that was the same age as Josh committed suicide. Mm-hmm. That's, and it's sad, you know, the way things and people, that lifestyle leads you to. Mm-hmm. And you just never know what it could be or how it is. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely something that. When we went to Dodge City last year, we took Uncle Gary. Did you just, drive by there? Yeah, we drove by there. I did that in Wilson and Russell before. But, you know, it's it's interesting because growing up, we didn't really, you know, mom and I were actually talking about this the other day. You know, we didn't get birthdays. We didn't get birthday parties. Mm-hmm. We would rarely even I get a have cake. Money. Yeah. We that, wouldn't even get a cake, but, yeah. but she I, had her but, food stamps. So, so I would get cupcakes. She would get cupcakes. Because your guys' birthdays were during the school year. Yeah. So I would buy cupcakes. Take it to the school. And maybe candy bars or some suckers or whatever. And and pop. I would buy pop. You know, and that's... I'd buy pop and cupcakes and take them to the school. See? So, for the class to share. See, for me, that's one thing that really bothers me. I couldn't afford both. I couldn't afford them. You know, I couldn't afford a party at home and that too. So, I would always ask you guys sometimes, would you rather me buy the cupcakes for your... To enjoy the class or whatever? Because a party party requires yeah. you to buy supplies, yep. too, that I just didn't have the money to buy. Well, you know? and on the flip side, I see... And you didn't want your friends coming around yeah. at the house, because we usually lived in a pretty yeah. shitty place most of the time. Yeah. So you didn't want your friends coming over <laughs> for a party. And you really didn't want a birthday party with your yeah. brothers. <laughs> well, and then when sometimes, say, so, you're, say you're at a grocery store and you see somebody using stamps... And on the cart, they have cookies and they maybe have pop. And then yeah. you instantaneously get that mindset. God, why are you using that on that yeah, stuff? Yeah, why don't you buy why something don't you buy healthy? healthy? Uh-huh. But the, on the flip side, I was that kid who never mm-hmm. got a birthday, who never got mm-hmm. parties. Yeah. The only time I felt special was when mom got me those cookies and mm-hmm. those cupcakes and pop and took For them to school. school. Yeah. You know, so yeah. before you are quick to judge, you don't know somebody's circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for them. Yeah. Help them. You don't and, know. And, I, and, and also, I didn't want. A whole bunch of kids over at our house. I don't like it. For more either, one, so for more than one reason. For more than one reason. Because of Martine. Yeah. Yeah. That. Um, I didn't want other parents judging us mm-hmm. in case we were probably living in something crappy at the time. I didn't want other parents judging us or saying, I don't want my kid over there. You know, we didn't know. I didn't know the circumstance that probably where we were at at the time, you know. So it was just easier to take um, treats to your school. That's why I love yeah. it. It was just easier to take trees. Yeah, it was just easier to take trees to your school. There's no judging. Yeah, there's just no judging. It's just easier to take trees to your school. Just and the no kids, judging. the kids thinking you are the best because your mom brought a 24 pack of Pepsi and cupcakes. Like that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, it just yeah, you just <clears> don't yeah. know the circumstances. Now, when Martine was out, sometimes we'd have a pinata. Yeah, for a party, you know. Of course no wonder you still do pinatas. Yeah, and that was usually mm-hmm. with the Mexicans or I mean, something. Do, I did have mm-hmm. some good memories because that's because that so, would be with his family. No. You know, that would be with his yeah. family or something, and we pinatas. would do that. But yeah, yeah that's. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I try. I go overboard with our kids with the parties. Yeah, because with, we really because couldn't with you guys. We couldn't, and mm-hmm. if I can, then I will. And mm-hmm. that's one thing my kids don't understand. Like, oh, oh, we can't get this. You guys suck. We're so poor. I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry, you, we just spent so much money on a birthday party and mm. got a pinata and all Learn these gifts. Like, but, right. but the thing is, they don't have any life experience to tie it no. to. I mean, so one of these no. days, what will happen is one of them will have a friend or when they're in college, venture somewhere and kind of step mm. in and be wide-eyed. Like, I remember <clears throat> one time going into a house. I think I was going to take the kids 
if I remember correctly, which I very rarely do. I think in the 13 years I've been at Sterling, I think I've done it two or three times. Like it has to be pretty, pretty egregious for me to make that decision to remove parent or kids from parents. And it's not for the parents, but the children. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking into this house and I'm like, it was a hot day out like it is today. And, but I mean, it was even hotter in the house. And I'm just like, like, oh my goodness. Like, why is it so hot in here? And the guy was like, guys, like, I can't afford the city bill. So we just keep it off. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I remember that as a moment of like, whoa. Like, I take that for granted that I walk Mm -hmm. into this house and it's ice cold. Yeah. And I enjoy it. And then when the bill comes out, I cut a check for it Mm -hmm. and then lather, rinse, repeat. Mm -hmm. And, Mm So, I mean, this job has given me that perspective and our ki- our kids don't have that perspective. And even then, I've never lived it, so I still don't have the full yeah, perspective. Uh-huh. I mean, there have even times yeah. that you've gotten, you know, mm-hmm. open my eyes to things. And, and today, even now, you open my eyes on the mm-hmm. don't be quick to judge. Now, I will say, I, I think there's still a line in the sand. When, well, you see, when you see these parents that are just buying junk constantly. Well, that's different. Oh, but yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's a, that's different. There, yeah. there's, but I get what you're – I'm trying to get the picture. Yeah, I get the mm-hmm. picture you're trying to paint. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a difference. And, you know, and ultimately, in the end, they have to answer to God for whatever they yeah. may be doing in their life. But yeah. I mean, if know, their cart's full of nothing but junk. That's different. Well, my, and there's no nothing nutrition. And, yeah. I mean – but, of course, they just – and, of course – you know the difference on whether or not they're buying for a party. Yeah. Or if they're just, that's them. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. usually can and, tell the difference well, and, if you have any. Uh, yeah. and, I've, and I've come to know that they're just like, just in the stoic philosophies that I share on my story all the time. You see me sharing daily. is like, there's so much in this world that we spend mm-hmm. time, effort, and energy at. That we cannot control. Can I control yeah. what yep. that person's buying? Yep. Can nope. I control the level of nope. food stamps that they're getting? Can I control? Oh, why am I spending my time worrying about? That's what right. Are, what does it add, add or detract from my life? Because exactly. I can't contru- control any of it. Because yeah, exactly. ultimately, do you truly know whether that woman or that man that's buying that is being forced to and having mm-hmm. to use their stamps, mm-hmm. or if that's all their kids are going to get, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be? You don't know mm-hmm. their circumstance. Yeah. And but how do you know? They may be buying it for somebody else. Yeah, you they could be know. shopping for somebody else. It yeah. may not even be for them. Well, and and or right? you, you know, know like I mean? the thing that, that kind of turned me off is like my cousin Stasha, who's in prison now for ten years for selling heroin. You know, she would sell her food stamp tard- card to feed her drug habit. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, th- those those were the perspectives that I mm-hmm. had, mm-hmm. The, my, my life experiences that yeah. added to my perception, and I think that's one of the many reasons that Nate and I mm-hmm. did this podcast is we have these conversations, mm-hmm. we learn these perspectives. Do I still have a line in the sand where I think people abuse things? For sure. Because there yeah. are. But it's but it's just interesting of like even just now, I've I've heard things and had my eyes open to things mm-hmm. that I didn't before. And that's what the whole idea behind why we do this. Mm-hmm. And I mean and, it, and hopefully somebody else listens to this podcast, maybe mm-hmm. they're being abused. And if you are, yeah. like listen to these ladies, they've been through it. Like they're they're this there's is not all, normal. No, and there's this a, is not normal. There's a way out. There's always a way out, and there's always a light at the end of that and tunnel. And it's not your fault. Exactly. And you will not get in trouble. No. There's there's a way out. You and, know, and, and there's always a support system, and there's always there's always somebody that can help you. There's always somebody that can talk to you. You know, if you need somebody to talk to, me and Andrew are always, you know. Yeah. And there's no shame in it. You know, no. you may feel shame and guilt, but, you know, like I always say, we're all broken humans, mm-hmm. and we live in a broken world. And we're not ever going to be perfect, but no. to know that there's humans out there who can help in their corner, help just one person. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I love to do. If, you know, I, 
-hmm. I want to help turn around from things that I had to deal with. You know, like you said, you just pay the electric bill. You know, you don't worry about that. I remember growing up, all of us sleeping in one room with heaters and having to boil water for baths and for Mm -hmm. cooking. And never, you know, never have I ever had to do anything like that. And holes in our trailer and just rough living, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not for lack of trying. Mom had two jobs, you know, Mm -hmm. but you're not alone. There are other people going through these things, you know, mm-hmm. that you may not know yep. who they are, but don't be so quick to judge. Yep. Offer help or just an ear. Sometimes I they had two just jobs and had welfare. Yeah. Well, and, and a car and um, it was. Yeah. And that's not to real. say that when you do go help someone that you allow yourself to be walked on. If this person's no, no, like no. obviously taking advantage of you and mm-hmm. walking on There's you, like you have no, yeah. you have no like duty to continue to yeah. allow them to. I mean, it's it's like it's like for instance, when you're a lifeguard and someone's drowning, you have no duty to be yeah. drowned by that person. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you have to distance yourself until like maybe they drown to a point like they're unconscious, just mm-hmm. to illustrate the point, and then maybe we can drag them well, out of the water. You know, not kind for of thing. it to be a detriment to yourself or your family. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's one thing, there's a difference between helping and then helping to the point where you're getting pulled under as well. Mm-hmm. Like you have to. It's not your responsibility to be their anchor. That's God. God's the anchor. Mm-hmm. And if you, they are trying to put you in that position, um, offer help, offer resources, you know, put that, put that line in the sand. Yeah. And, and from a per- professional perspective as a law enforcement officer, whether you're a law enforcement officer, whether you're a social worker, whether you're a caseworker, whether you're a pastor, whatever profession that you deal with, where you, like your job is in the service of helping people yeah remember there is a line in the sand for you Mm -hmm. as a law enforcement officer i am not a social worker Mm -hmm. i am not a pastor Mm -hmm. i am not a caseworker there are clear lines in the sand for a reason and they're there to protect you now that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you can't have compassion that you can't help people Mm -hmm. but there's a point with which it's done and i can't tell you how many times within the last several years that I've given out my pastor's business card and said, Hey, listen, mm-hmm. I am not qualified or capable to have this conversation with you, but my pastor's a really great guy. And if it's a female, um, because I don't do those, don't get into those conversations with women. Yeah. And I will say like, Hey, you know, his, for his protection, he may have his wife sit in the room, but she might just be in the corner with headphones on or whatever. Like, you know, if that's something yeah. you want to do. So if you're listening to this and you're in that professional service, remember there is a clear line in the sand. Like, so for instance, you know, as a social worker, you can't do law enforcement functions as a law enforcement officer. I can't do social work functions like Mm it, you know, there, there, there are some crossover, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's clear, it's clear to know that there, there are those times Mm -hmm. that, you know, so that's on the same thing of not being pulled down when it's a detriment. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that being said, I guess, you know, you, you all had a, a lot of advice for, you know, anybody that may be listening that may be dealing with that, is there anything else you can think of that would come to mind of like, because, well, actually I do have, did, when, when you were leaving Martine and all that was going on, did they have like women's shelters, like domestic violence shelters at yeah. that time? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Where but you I, could go to and hide out? Oh, I'm, oh yeah. They, they okay. did, but I never thought of those kind of things. Okay. I just. Were you, just, were you ever notified by law enforcement that those things existed? Did you know? No, I never, okay. I was never told, I was never told about that only because, I was never told about that only because I, um, when I was talking to the detective, I don't think he ever told me about that because he didn't live with me at the time. And 
the, de- the detective just told me, and I already had my own place to live, and since he wasn't living with me, I wasn't looking to leave. We were just looking to get him put behind bars yeah. because he was already here well, illegally, and so I it, it was a little bit of a different situation. I wasn't looking to leave. Yeah. The well, situation since he wasn't living with me anymore. Yeah, the reason yeah. the reason I bring it up is because now we're required by law in domestic mm. violence situations. Mm. We have to give this like whole packet mm. about like where the closest uh, hospital is, is the good. crime uh, victims compensation yeah. board. Here's how you get a PFA. Here's gotcha. pr- protection from abuse order. Here's how you get a protection from stalking order. Gotcha. Um, here's your local sexual assault domestic violence center. Mm-hmm. So the reason I bring that up is if you are in an abusive relationship and you're looking to get out. And get out and like go into basically into hiding. Mm-hmm. They will put you up, put your family up. They mm-hmm. will give you clothing. They will give you everything that you need yeah. to get out. That's good. And they will hide you. And that includes hiding you from law enforcement. Because I had a time where I was looking for a lady. She was a suspect in a case where she'd taken advantage of someone monetarily. And I went to a great Bend because i'd heard she was either at the dream center or the sa they called it the sadvc which was the sexual assault domestic violence center at the time i think it's got it's called like the family crisis center now or something like that so she i went to went to um the dream center first she wasn't there so then i went to the sadvc and i'm like hey you know i'm looking for this person like she's a suspect blah 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 well if she's here we'll let her know and see if she'll want to call you like Mm -hmm. they wouldn't say whether she was whether Mm -hmm. she wasn't um, and that was one of the things that they talk about even to us. Like, if you call us and say, is Jim Bob there? We're mm-hmm. not going to tell you because yeah. we're not going to have any leaks in our security. Exactly. And they will even help you with, like, planning of, like, so they will make, like, a daily planner. So, like, if it's, say, like, you're in a, a like, they're shooting at you, right? They're trying mm-hmm. to kill you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they would move you to a, a domestic violence center. They would set you up with a job, all this other kind of stuff. And they'd say, like, okay, 8 a.m., you're going to wake up. From 8 a.m. to 9, you're going to get ready. Like, and plan your day out. Mm-hmm. So if suddenly you go missing or mm-hmm. you miss a check-in or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. they know. And they know right and where there. where you were supposed to be at this time. Yeah, yeah. So they'll help they you take care of your kids at. so you can get a job. I mean, yeah. so there's a lot of things out there That's that are good. available to That's be able good. to help. We're talking about 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying even today. Like, yeah. And, and can it can today even be better? Sure. Of course. Um, but like what's interesting. So remember when you were talking about how he beat you and like broke mm-hmm. your nose. And So I'm mm-hmm. assuming you had medical expenses related to that? I never went to the hospital. Okay. I never so, I never went to go to get it. I never. Fair. Nope. Yep, didn't fair. go nowhere. Fair. Nope. So, so if you did. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you did. Sunglasses. Yep, yep. So, so if you did, so say like, for instance, this person like broke down your door and then beat you up and you had all these hospital expenses, mm-hmm. they actually have a crime victims compensation board, which mm-hmm. will help you pay for all of those uh, things. Yeah. So again, you know, you're trying to succeed mm-hmm. and you're trying to get out of that violent situation. Yeah, yeah. You can actually petition the state of Kansas. I've been a victim of a violent crime and mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what crimes. I think they're felonious level crimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they have, if they're person or non-person yeah. crimes, but you can receive compensation mm. for medical bills or, you know, property damage yeah. or, you know, helping with like a kid that was, you know, has medical bills or whatever. So mm. there, there's definitely lots of options out yeah, there. That's good. I think my, big, <clears throat> my biggest thing um, for people to understand is, is you may not recognize those signs, but if you feel like you're starting to be pulled away and you're getting segregated, take those as red flags. Those are... Yes. Not them trying to protect you because, or or that they care about you, no. or they say, oh, you know, no, that's control. 
And if you are a That's mother. not because they love you. It's because they're trying yeah. to control you and groom you. And like mom, mom was saying about, you know, things she started seeing with the kids. You know, for me, being the child, I only saw what was happening to me. I didn't see that she was seeing it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you recognize and something's not right with your kids. Mm-hmm. Trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Trust your gut. Yep. Well, and and also, and I didn't see a lot of that until closer to the end because you guys were really good at hiding it. And as you get well, they older, were feared kids, into hiding. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, protecting you. Yeah. At least what they thought they were. Yeah. They exactly. Exactly. And, and Josh was already having issues, personal issues within himself. So he was already angry at the world, and he already was a wild child. You know. He was already hanging out with the bad kids and doing bad crap anyway. So, he wasn't showing any different signs So, of, of what had transpired between him and Martin, you know, previously. So, I didn't see it in him. With you, you were starting to not wanting to be around him alone, you know. And especially on Ash Street when I was really yeah. starting to see things that, that just didn't jive. You know, things were starting to really come out more. Yeah. So when we lived there, you know, that, that year, no, that yeah. year that we lived there. With Noticing him. changes in your children's behavior is yes. very important. Like, you know, yeah, that year they're that potty trained, but they start wetting the bed again. Yeah. Well, she never, um, yeah. It was I mean, just, it could be an, a plethora of things. So exactly. Me, it exactly. Was of course, she was older, but segregating myself, changing my entire wardrobe, becoming tomboy. Well, of course, um, a lot of kids at that time were wearing baggy clothes. And I thought that at that time it was just. Yeah. I remember the Jinko jeans phase. I had Jinkos. It was just the thing, you know, because her friends were doing it. Sage. Sage was into that, and you were hanging out with Sage. You know, so, and you guys, they were all hanging out with the teen center, so I figured that was just, you know. And then not letting or wanting any of my girlfriends over, like, I would go to their house. Well, yeah, because they were hanging over, and then then all of a sudden, you just stopped, Mm -hmm. you know. And then he was starting to get a little bit creepy with watching things, and, and he was starting to comment things, and... And, you know, and that's when I was starting to notice that things weren't normal, that, that it was just getting worse. And then that's when I think, mm-hmm. and then he was starting to get pretty bad with yeah. everything in general. And that's when I kicked him out. Talk, yeah. talk to your kids. If you see mm-hmm. something different, ask them what's bothering mm-hmm. you, what's going on. We try to do that with our children. Mm-hmm. Even better. Mm-hmm. Talk to them like prior to and, like, nobody's allowed to touch you in your body oh, yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Yes. Like, it, it, you know. Even even like a doctor, when you yeah. go to the doctor, yeah. that doctor has that permission to touch you there. Yeah. Yeah. They don't just get to say just because no. they're in some position of power, yeah. you know, and like pre-game that for them and yeah. let them know that. Yeah. But also tell them, you know, keep your head on a swivel, even in Sterling, Kansas, yeah. keep your head on a swivel. Right. And Andrea gets annoyed at me sometimes, too, of like, I'll be like, tell the kids where are you at? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, they're right here. And I'm like, OK, well, where are they at? Well, I told you they're right here. And I'm like, baby, they need to be able to explain where they're at. Who knows? One of these days they might be able to call for help. And so like, Alex, I'll, where are you at? And you'll hear him go, uh, hey, I'm at the corner of Adams and Broadway. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do that too now you know, so, yeah. you know, pre-gaming it with your kids and just being, you know, just being those present parents and like having some of those kind of mm-hmm. tough, con- I'm not, I'm not saying have this conversation with your toddler. Right. But mm-hmm. like, you know. Definitely let them know those things well, as soon as possible that you think that they are mature enough to handle yeah. that. And one thing that I know that we do because I had my past trauma is we're very open with our children about the dangers of the world. Not mm-hmm. so much that 
you know, I don't talk to him about like specifically well, like what gory, happened to yeah, me. Yeah, not the gory no, details. But, you know, mom was abused when she was younger. You know, mm-hmm. we want, that's why we're overprotective. That's why we want you to know this is your spot. This is your privacy. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that happen to us. You know, this is what's out there in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to shelter them is not helping them. Yeah. Well, and also, like, if somebody does try to grab you and take you, what do you do, you know? Yeah. Brooklyn, Fight. I'll punch him right in the balls. Yeah, there you Good go. Enough. I like it. I and like scream. it, yeah. you know, or yeah. scream, you know, like, yeah. like ask and for help. Of, or... And one of the first things, and she's and she's bigger, so that's a good thing, that if somebody tries to grab you, go to the ground. Well, Brooklyn and I just went to a self-defense yeah, class, to, you know, it's never to too early ground. to start teaching yeah. your kids. Drop to the ground, because it's harder to pick up dead weight. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> harder to pick up dead weight. I can yep. do it. I can do it. Pick up dead weight and start kicking. If <laughs> yeah. you have, kicking and screaming. Kicking yeah. and screaming. Well, so um, if we kind of round this out. So if let's say there are, is somebody that is listening to this podcast that like does want to reach out for help or does want to like try to contact either of you because of your of your history with it. Like how would they contact you? Like social medias, emails. I probably wouldn't give your phone number. Social but. media is probably the easiest. You know, Andrea Sowers on Facebook. I also. Which have, is S-O-W-E-R-S. And I also have, you know, Andrea's Essential Creations. I have all my contact information like available through that. So if you message me either way, it's going to get to me. And I'm I'm open. Like I will talk to you. You know, one-on-one, I, I try to give my testimonies and teachings, you know, at different women's conferences and events because I feel like, you <laughs> know, me. we go through these trials and tribulations and we can use these to help better and teach and use these to help somebody else who may be going through it at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm Cindy Brown Charles on Facebook. I have Instagram and Snapchat. She didn't sound confident. Yeah, I was going to say, when it comes I'm to, to, when it comes to Cindy it and technology, just just go with the Facebook <laughs> um, and go for yeah, that. Yeah, Because she talks on Facebook that. more than anything else. I do too. This it was like, Facebook, like yeah. when, when I went to you pay. You just do Messenger. When I went to pay yeah. you for the copy work. Cindy Brown Charles. Yeah. When I went to pay Facebook's you for the copy, copy work and you were like, I was like, do you have Venmo? Well, no, I have Cash App. And yeah, I was like. Okay, fucking. I'm not gonna walk her through setting up a Venmo. I'll just, I'll just set up a Cash App real quick and pay her because it's a whole lot easier to do I that. So I'll just set up a Cash App and pay her. I don't have, I don't have Venmo. Yeah. Speaking of which, I sold another site. If you're looking for more work, yeah. Um, and uh, actually, I sold two sites. I sold the the fence site that Justin was using mm-hmm. finally, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I sold an HVAC site. So, mm-hmm. and they paid me today today for that. Yeah. I have to wait for it to come through. Just yeah. so, just so you know. I have to wait for that money to come through. What does it have to do with me? Don't go shopping. We've already had that conversation that that's for business expense. Speaking uh, of which, and like I said, excuse me. Speaking of which, me. off mic, I yeah. put together all my expenses and stuff last night. Did I tell you about all that? How did a bird feather get okay. here? Uh, <laughs> probably either um, Nate's mom you say or so yeah. No, so I'm saying, like, I, remind me to talk to you about the business expenses when we're off the mic, when oh. it's not live anymore. Okay, okay. Um, but, uh, or a B, which would be... A bird? Lauren's, <laughs> Lauren, which is Nate's sister's dog, B. I could see her bringing it in. Yeah. So, um, okay, well, so we'll round it out here. We've been at it for quite a while. So yeah. I appreciate you both coming on here. Like, some of this stuff's kind of hard to talk. And I think that's probably the first time I've ever seen you tear up. You've always been very stoic when it comes to those kind of things, yeah. but definitely, uh, definitely got to you a little bit there about Josh sitting on the mm-hmm. curb. 
it always does, you know, it's, it's pretty bad when it, when a child, you know, mm-hmm. when the parent treats your child, you know, that way. And you certainly can't fix it. And, and you can't fix yeah. it. You, you, you I've, can't. I've and, and, and the parent that. don't give a crap. I've definitely yeah. felt and, that and, with And Eli. to this day, he still doesn't give a crap yeah. about his kids or his grandkids. I've met him once. Well, yeah. twice. <laughs> one, one time to like meet him, meet him. At, and the other at time was, a, was to question him. <laughs> the other time, oh, that's that's a store, still a sore subject. But um, <laughs> And then the other time was when he was leaving. He was leaving to go back to what, Reno? Is that where he lived at the time or Vegas or something? Or? Sparks. I don't know. When he had that was... big ass truck, he'd gotten that settlement yeah. or whatever. And he had all this money. Temporarily, that's a whole nother but, story. With yeah, just but yeah. So um, were you helping him pack? So <laughs> unless you're wanting seven or eight or ten more podcasts, we got a lot of life baggage. I mean, <laughs> well, know. it's it's tough, and I think it's cool to you know, and I appreciate it, and I'm humbled by it because you know you may help somebody, and even if you help one person, you know, it's like Pastor Ken used to say, exactly. if I could get one person one and step that, closer and, to Christ, and if you help that person, then yeah. that person can help another yeah. person. And I mean, it's a domino effect. And my thing is, I didn't even touch the tip of any kind of iceberg with what happened to me. No. So if anybody has no. questions or, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm okay with talking about it. You can yeah. message me and I, yeah, you know, because I have hang, I've hung that on the cross and given it to God. So it's, yeah. it's not mine. It's at this point, it is something that I can help somebody else with. Well, so, I, yeah. I definitely say that I empathize with you there because on the, the child thing, because you know, when Eli was struggling, mm-hmm. there was no fix. There was no thing mm-hmm. like right there in that moment that I could mm-hmm. do, you know, and mm-hmm. I always like really struggled with that and really mm-hmm. bothered me because especially yeah. as men, that's kind of like our thing. Like if there's a bill that needs to be paid, you go out, you work, you get money, you pay the bill, like, right? Like you have mm-hmm. a fix, you have this like thing mm-hmm. that you do. Mm-hmm. And so I can definitely emphasize there. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I think back on things or I think about mistakes that I've made even too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's yeah. a, a tough and rough place to be. So yeah. with that being said, we got to get our kids home and start the bedtime routine. Yeah, they and I really want some Brahms on the way home. So <laughs> I don't think Andrea will argue with me there, but. Oh no, how dare you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, Hey everyone, thanks for taking the opportunity to listen to us on the podcast. I'm just humbled that you continue to uh, join us. Just share the podcast. Just put it on your story. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a feed post or anything, but just get the word out there and hopefully maybe this podcast can can help someone. Or if you know somebody that's struggling, um, take the podcast link and... Oh, I thought you were trying to show me a text. Oh, no. Oh, take the podcast link and just share it to somebody that you know may be struggling, maybe get them, they can get help as well. Um, so we're on Facebook at the higher points podcast on Instagram at the higher points. And our website is www.thehigherpoints.com. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>